This is Naoki Yoshida. This is Fern Hall. And you are listening to Aetherite Radio. Aetherite Radio. Here we go. Hello, and welcome to Aetherite Radio. Never you mind that outdated intro. <laughs> it's what we got. We're fine. Don't worry about it. It's great. Uh, today, I'm Zanidra. Yep, just like every weekend, but especially today. And uh, <laughs> joining me are Aldino and Rock. <laughs> I'm also especially myself today. Yes. Definitely. We should, well, we should keep that, and that should be the intro from now on. All right. <laughs> today, I'm Zanidra, especially today. <laughs> Uh, I was going to say, you're especially Zanidra today, too? Amazing. But you are especially yourself today, because your camera's working again. So we... Yay! We got some good stuff going. <laughs> uh, guys, there's, like, so much news today. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I feel like this is the most news that wasn't in a live letter we've had in a while. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of live letters, that's the first bit of news. <laughs> Uh, so there's going to be another one, another wonderful live letter, Friday, November 27th at 3 a.m. in the morning, uh, PST. It's going to be a patch 5.4 preview part two. And uh, it also miscellaneous updates. That's my favorite part. <laughs> yeah, that's what it says. <laughs> <laughs> patch 5.4 and miscellaneous updates. What are you going to tease us with? Yeah, I think it's going to be like... So this is what we're going to do about your FanFest thingy things. So Yeah. Oh, yeah, good yeah. guess. Timing would be yeah. nice. I would love to hear it. Yeah, I know. I couldn't I was so sad. I think it was last weekend, wasn't it? Um I got the notification mm-hmm. on my phone because I had forgotten to like remove our flight uh like details and stuff. I mean like we canceled our tickets, yeah, and things, yeah. but they were still in my calendar and I got a little thing and it was like head into FanFest and I just looked at my phone like you great betrayer. <laughs> how could you say this to me (laughs) Uh, I definitely uh, put out a tweet last weekend that was like hey Yoshi P what shirt are you wearing no reason Mm -hmm. what's on it tell me just need to know it's not as creepy as it sounds I'm not a stalker I'm excited to see what they do about FanFest. Uh, you know, obviously, we were talking about this is before we even went live, like GlitchCon being a thing that's happening right now, digital TwitchCon. Um, I think a lot of different conventions are going to see some kind of digital shift. We've already seen it with a lot of other game news, so I wouldn't be surprised if we get something about that, but even just knowing when we're going to get X-Pac news would be huge for me right now, right. so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Give fingers crossed. Tell me when I can know things. Yes. Yeah. As, as always with this game, it's a please look forward to it. Yeah. But then when we get it, usually we're like, oh, yeah, that was totally worth the wait. So. Yeah. Um, PlayStation 5 came out, guys. <laughs> Did you guys get one? No. 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 Nope. <laughs> I tried I... a little bit. Oh, did you? You tried a little bit? Yeah, you know, uh, the day that they were out uh, from Walmart, the, like, noon, three, six, nine. Uh, I mm. tried at noon and at three. And I was like, no, this is never going to happen. The site just goes down immediately because of uh, all the bots. Um, and they've been kind of spicy on Twitter. They've been, like, putting up uh, screenshots of, like, look at my bot. It bought 50 of them. 
And Jesus. Like, I will find you. What? You know, it's, yeah, no, seriously. <sighs> uh, uh, so, yeah, kind of weird. Yeah, Gaho in chat's telling us that uh, 14's working nicely, which is exactly what, actually what this little bit of news is. Yeah. Uh, PlayStation 5 supports the ability to play a PS4 version of 14 using backwards compatibility. That's pretty nice of them. Also, they didn't have to, you know, make a new version, so it's a little bit of uh, stress alleviated on them, too. If uh, you're having any trouble, SE has a small write-up on how to install it and suggested ways to transfer your character data, such as UI, on the Lodestone. As always, check out that Lodestone. I can't uh, wait to try it yeah? on PS5. Yeah, I really want to see it. Like, I've never played PS... Uh, I've never played 14 on a PlayStation at any time. I've never played 11 on a PlayStation. I think um, I played it I long enough it. to put it on, like, my PlayStation 3. Uh-huh. And then just... Never did. Never used it. Didn't need to. Much prefer a PC. Yeah. Okay. Um, next bit of news. This is going to be of interest to some people. And also make some other people bitter, and I'm sorry. <laughs> Automatic demolition of estates is going to resume. Uh, the exact date and time of recommencement will coincide with the 5.4 patch release. Uh, if you have gone into your house since uh, they paused the demolition thing, Bob then it's going to start from 5.4 drop. The demolition timer is going to start from 5.4 drop. If you haven't gone in at all, it is going to resume from the time that was remaining as of Thursday, March 26th at 8.10 p.m. PDT. Very specific. 8.10 p.m. Yes, I remember exactly what I was doing at that time. Oh, yes. Uh, It's good, I guess. Mm -hmm. I... it has been frustrating, especially with, you know, the ward that they like the wards that they released and that whole rush. And obviously we talked about that, but it has been frustrating seeing a lot of estates that really should have probably been demolished at this point that are still just sitting there in the housing listings. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I mean, I think a lot of the player base is just not satisfied with any of these systems anymore. You know, like the moment this was announced, I saw a ton of tweets that were just like, oh, yeah, auto-demolition is coming back, but you still can't even get a house or, you know. Yeah. People are just, I think, done. They're just right. done. So until they give us those news, like the news about what is going to be happening that'll change housing in 14, I think nobody's going to be happy either way, you know? Yeah. Ultimate cool story, bro, on this one for some people. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry, friends. Yeah. It's, you know, it's just one of those things where they have to do it, and at mm-hmm. some point they were going to have to turn it back on, and there's... This is probably the time because of all the anger, you know. Yeah. It's, it's a it's a good horrible move, you know. <laughs> things are things are balancing out ish, mm-hmm. at least in other parts of the world. Good job, America. <laughs> <laughs> Calling you out, my country. All right. Uh, the, the next thing might might heal your wounds a little bit if you like contests. Uh, it's a sightseeing screenshot sweepstakes. Uh, November 9th, yeah. Super sexy style, what is it? Super something style? <laughs> yeah, Devil May Cry. Yeah, super smoking, smoking, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Anyway, November 9th through 20th, um, which is actually coming up on us pretty quickly. So if you have not heard about this or you were thinking about doing it but have held off a little, you run out of time, friends. Um, what you do is submit one screenshot uh, taken using GPOs specifically in your favorite location. Just go out to your favorite place, take a screenshot, be fancy. 
the prizes include the the normal assortment, the Araman Choker, Bluebird Earring, Gala Cap, Mandragore Choker, Modern Aesthetics Strife, Noble Barding, Scarf of Wondrous Wit. And for details, for more specific details on how to enter, visit the Lodestone. I'm not going to give you those because they're long and specific. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll forget because I already forgot. But yeah, if you want to get that cloud hair. Yeah, that is the only one of those things that I don't have. In fact, I have them in duplicate and can't use them. <laughs> I wish I could trade them to my other characters. Right. Yeah, that's kind of one of the weird things about some of these contests with the rewards. Like, a lot of times I kind of look at them like, oh, I'd be interested in, oh, mm -hmm. well, maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, I mean, it kind of, it's funny because I think it kind of goes hand in hand almost with some of the uh, veteran rewards. Like, yeah. some of the things have just been in the game for so long that it's like, I'm curious if they'll ever update it or, you know, if we'll ever see like a new batch of rewards come out for some of this stuff. But it's still really fun to like participate and see other people yeah. participating. And it's cool if you do get selected. Um, and you never know, like lots of people usually, you know, who don't even think they're going to get picked will end up on um, a lot of those. And you get to see yourself on the website and stuff. Cool. I think they, they usually pick like 100 people. So you have a pretty good chance. Mm -hmm. I think uh, when I entered the, the housing contest, I won in two different categories, so you can win. It's it's not that terrible. Uh, and then changes. This is our last bit of news. Changes to Allegan Tombstones, which, you know, we saw coming because that's what happens with new main patches. We are going to get uh, Tombstones of Revelation. Uh, the weekly obtain cap for Tombstones of Allegory is going to go away. So you'll still be capped at 2,000 of 2,000, but you won't be stuck down at, what, like, 400... Yeah, for Sounds right. It's been so long since yeah. I tapped, I don't even remember. What is an expert roulette? Right. <laughs> I do not know. Uh, Phantasmagoria will no longer be obtainable and may be exchanged for allegory, but they're not going to be removed yet in the normal move. Uh, Gosha? Yes. Will be removed from the game, and we're going to have Poetics forever. So... <laughs> They're still there. You're, you're still going to get know. those when you run your uh, roulettes and don't get the main tombstone. What's up, Charles? I want you to know, uh, chat, that in this outline, it just has a bullet point that says poetics forever. Poetics That's, forever. Yep, just poetics forever. I just I like mean, that. At least at this point, they have given us some like actual stuff to use for them, which I was so happy about. Oh my gosh. Like, right. especially when that first step of the relic, they were just like, do you got some poetics? And I'm like, trips, falls, a million of them fall out of my pocket. <laughs> I'm drowning in them. They are overtaking my, I'm like, please, yes, let me trade them for something I beg of you. Yeah. So there are some, there are some things now and some of the ways that they've condensed vendors, I think have made that a little bit more accessible to just like use them too, which is nice. Yeah. Um, I also, I noticed this on the outline, and honestly, because my lack of understanding of how time functions anymore, I'm not <laughs> sure exactly where this news fell, but this is a random little piece. I, I also heard that we are getting an adjustment with um, the armor tokens in Boja. Yeah? Yes. Where yes. Um, if you've completed everything and you've completed, you know, the final dungeon and the story and all sorts of stuff there, uh, certain uh, other activities around the map will now give you those tokens so that you can trade in for additional gear sets. Which yep. That's already in effect. Uh, yep. You get the, the coins from critical engagements. I think just okay. critical en engagements now, which is both good and bad. Uh, I've heard reports that actually getting into a cash room is very difficult now but i've also heard some people be like no nah, I, I got in fine so just gotta have that luck that cash yep. room luck 
I'll be trying again soon. Probably this afternoon. I need to get in there once. I want to go. I'll go with you. It's fun. I you like it. No, you it's because it? work. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't been able to play for like an hour. I will go with you too. Just hit me up. Yeah. It's so fun. Hey, maybe we can stream it at some point. Yeah. Week, maybe. Sure. Stay tuned. I'm down. Stay tuned on Aetherite Radio. Gamerscape.com's 14 podcast was, was what I was supposed to say at the beginning. <laughs> Who's this old-timey man that works for Gamerscape? I don't know. I don't know. He just shows up podcast. sometimes. Yeah. Come join us, hip cat. We play <laughs> Boja content this week at some point. I'm going to teach you how to do the Charleston. Mm-hmm. I was like, what? Oh, Charleston. Okay. Charleston. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> And that brings us to our our topic for today. Uh, we're gonna in chat last time actually somebody asked uh, for a comparison between I think Guild Wars two and fourteen, and we were like, you know what, that's a good question. So our whole show this time is about uh, comparing fourteen to uh, other MMOs, mainstream uh, big big ones that a lot of people probably know. Uh, we're gonna probably limit it to like five. Unless we've run out of stuff to say. Uh, <laughs> so I figured we'd start with the big one. The big one. World Warcraft. What'd you say? I said the elephant in the room. Yes. What, what is you guys' experiment? Uh, experiment. Experience with uh, WoW. Have you guys played it a bunch? or? A few. Well, a few years. I say a few years now, but it has been quite a few years. <laughs> Um, a while back, I did. I, I got into WoW later than a lot of people. Um, it wasn't until I was just out of college that I started playing it. And I, being the stubborn person that I am, decided that I didn't want to jump to the most recent expansion like everybody else. I wanted to play through every single thing in the game. This sounds because, familiar. Like, yes. <laughs> in my mind, you know, I'm like, I want the whole story. I want the whole experience. Like, there's all these X-Packs. Why wouldn't I play them? And, um... It was very interesting. I mean, especially having not lived those eras of each mm-hmm. of the X-Packs, right? And um, immediately one of the things that stood out to me, which you know I'm sure we'll talk about more, was just that like, as far as comparing like my experience getting into 14 for the first time and my experience going through WoW for the first time, was that 14's content has otherwise been made more like, um, you know, playable by the player base long term. Like, we would do dungeons and things in WoW, and I'd be, you know, in an X-Pack, and we'd run up and we'd do it, and there'd be nobody. Nobody would be doing this dungeon. We would have to, like, just go in us. Like, nobody was on the maps. Nobody was anywhere, because unless they're doing that time-walking event, there really wasn't a, like, you know, push, I think, to make content playable forever to some degree, Mm -hmm. or, like, incentivize, you know, veteran players going back to do old content in any way. Um, so that was really interesting, but it was also really cool to see the history of the game, um, going through everything and like hear from my partner, who's a long-term WoW player and Raider and all sorts of stuff, all the different things that happened. But my experience being a new player in, in both 14 and WoW was very different. Like in WoW, it really did feel as though like I was kind of taking a nostalgia tour, even though I wasn't a nostalgic player, you know what I mean? Right. Um, whereas in 14, I felt like from the beginning and all through, I was actually like, even if there was content that wasn't still, you know, really active, like I was playing a game that was still playable and had a good story that tied me through everything, you know, and that other people were doing too. 
That's a that's an interesting uh, comparison. I think uh, I when I played WoW, uh, fourteen wasn't out yet. <laughs> right. Uh, I I think I was still in college. Maybe it was during uh, Burning Crusade. So mm-hmm. that, that was like the first big expansion? Question mark. Yep. Um, they just released pretty elves that could be on the uh, the horde side, and all my friends played mm-hmm. horde. So I was like, I'm going to be one of them. I'm going to be one of those people. Because there is no other option. Yeah. There is uh, no other option. I will hear I will hear nothing else. Oh, yeah, goodness. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Goodness. Now, um, and I didn't, I didn't play for very long. I, I guess kind of for the same reason. Uh, when my, all my friends who were playing uh, were already... <laughs> oh, we're already overleveled, uh, overleveled compared to me. They were probably max, whatever it was at the time. And uh, I had, didn't really know what I was doing. Uh, I think the only MMOs I'd played were like Ultima Online, in which I d- really did not know what I was doing. And then uh, Eleven, which was pretty different, especially yeah. since I was playing uh, on PS2. So I hopped in, into uh, WoW as my first quote-unquote PC game. I think I was actually playing on a Mac, and uh, yeah. I was a little, I was a little lost, a little, a little confused, and I, I actually did not have a very good experience when I had to play by myself, so I played for like, like a month, maybe two. Um, it was, it was fun to explore and and see how things were different and uh, experience like a crafting system that didn't involve you staring in a certain direction at a certain time of the day, right. and doing a, a dance to Tanaka, but. Yeah. Um, my all of my player experiences outside of friends were terrible especially because i didn't know what i was doing uh my main character that i played was a shadow priest and so when i went into any dungeons hey you're the healer you're the healer like i don't the very very first dungeon i went into you're a healer now i don't i've never healed before can we they're already gone why am I dead? Because I don't know what I'm doing. I was in the middle of trying to tell you I don't know what I'm doing. And they were mad. It was it was not good. It was not fun. And maybe maybe that's why I try and be nice when I'm in 14 dungeons now. People are like, I don't know what I'm doing. It's fine. I got you. Don't worry about it. Questions yeah. to ask. Got you. Exactly. Yeah, but I didn't I didn't do a whole lot of the content and didn't really enjoy the stuff that I did. My favorite part was probably just running around and being like, ooh, this is different. Yeah. So I don't, I don't have a, a good point of comparison, which brings us to Charles, who plays the fuck out of this game. <laughs> I, I don't anymore. I mean, I still have an active account. Um, I remember, yeah, I was definitely in college. Uh, I was living in Arizona at the time, and someone there, because it was, it was a video game college. It was the early aughts, you know. I wanted to be a programmer. Hey, it worked out. But anyway, um, <laughs> dreams do come someone, true. It, they do. Um, so someone had a beta, uh, had beta access. So they just left it on one of the machines in the like quad. Mm. And so everyone was just playing this character. So I played from beta. I didn't have my own account cause I didn't have a computer that could do it. Um, and yeah, then burning crusade. I think that's when I started with, uh, Zen's husband. No. Actually, we were, we were raiding together, uh, in the same group and I was garbage. Well, that was my first MMO that I got to play a lot. Oh, I was warm garbage absolutely not even hot garbage just tepid you know it's just just in the sun for like maybe an hour it was horrible um but i stuck with it for some reason and you know i got into raiding with karazhan and and like 
the to me still the best eras of wow or burning crusade into lich king because that's you know that's what i grew up with that's what i hear actually from from people pretty consistently yeah right i think it's because at that time um they had a lot of systems that 14 has now right so wow eventually moved away from systems like badges like we have tombstones and things like that but those really made sense right Mm. tombstones are great you can just do your daily dungeon build up and get your gear that's great that's that's much less rng than any of the systems in current wow you know like people don't really like that sort of thing because you know you want what you want so yeah i i loved wow and wow is the first one that i started to raid in i got better over time um up to i didn't quite do any world first raiding in wow because um as uh as zen's husband can tell you from back there our guild was also not good (laughs) <laughs> not good at all um just not good i mean it was it was so bad that he and i would just uh play a drinking game and it's like okay if so you know if one of these people die you have to drink if one of those people die i have to drink and we would just end the raid just i don't know how we <laughs> made it through that um but it really was what made me love raiding and raiding in wow versus raiding in 14 is it's really weird, and it's changed over time. Mm. But to me, WoW is a game of, like, you you can get hit, right? In 14, you cannot get hit. That's, don't get hit, that's it. Mm. But in WoW, healing and, and damage are more of like a triage situation. So, like, you're always taking a little bit of damage. You're always healing. Um, a lot of healers find that more engaging than, than 14, especially if they don't know that 14 is supposed to be more. You're, you're supposed to damage a little bit. So, like, that's the biggest difference from WoW to me, at least mechanically, is the role of a healer and mm. technically the role of a tank as well. So a lot of people coming from WoW into 14 might have that, unless they're playing new WoW, of course, because new WoW, there's a couple of healing classes that also do damage. Um, new WoW. And then it's the story. Like, WoW never tried. Like, your your experience starting WoW, Rook, is was my experience, too. I'm like, so I just got to go through all this stuff all right, well, you know, and you're leveling at any different time and they don't enforce you going through the zones. So, like, I was, like, level 30 or something, and I'm like, where do I go? I've out-leveled this zone because I keep doing done. Where do I go? There's nothing to tell me where to go. Okay, I'll just look it up. All right, I Wander out zone. into the world. Right, so you leave so many quest chains unfinished, and you're like, I don't, I don't know what happened. What happened to Mankirk's wife? I don't know. I didn't do that one. That's for the WoW fans in the audience. Yes, yeah, she's dead. I'm sorry. <laughs> Harsh. But, yeah, you know, it is <clears throat> it is really, to me, the definition of a theme park MMO, like, with ADD, right? <laughs> uh, it's like, you just, you bounce around until endgame, and then it's solid. And that's what I really enjoy about 14 compared to WoW, is that leveling experience. And, you know, they're they're... They're trying to change it um, for the next expansion, which I keep mixing up with Shadowbringers <laughs> because it's, it's it's close with Shadowland. Um, I can't wait to try that. I mean, like I said, I've had a WoW subscription since Burning Crusade. I've never let it lapse. I've always gone back to just, just to check it out. Um, but yeah, I just that's my takeaway. Honestly, it's it's more about the end game than anything else, and the rating is fun, definitely. And it's challenging on the harder difficulties, of course. Um, so I still enjoy it. Yeah, Aldino, it's 
it's interesting hearing you talk about it because like we did end up going through everything so we went up through legion um mm -hmm. and the raids really are to me a part of wow that i think shine and there was something about like even the old raids right that we were mm -hmm. like, trying to two man and many of which you can now you know what i mean like if you just know generally what's going on, it was still so exciting to me because I loved going through them and seeing all the different landscapes and the bosses and like trying to put together the lore on it. Now the game, not always so good at actually really telling you the lore or what's happening or right. like staying strict to their own even lore or, you know, anything. But I was deep diving on the wiki. I was trying to get like whatever information I could because I really wanted to connect with the world. And it was neat to see all those different eras and to also see, because, I mean, I think we can't disregard World of Warcraft's effect on MMOs as a whole, right? Yeah, seriously. Like, WoW as a whole, its greatest pro and its greatest con is the fact that it has this history and this defining sort of place in the MMO genre, right? It changed what people were expecting from MMOs. And it's so funny because even while Classic was kind of touted as this return to like a really hardcore original version, but WoW Classic was actually considered to be MMO casual when it came mm -hmm. out, right? Mm -hmm. That it was this idea of like streamlining systems and combat and all sorts of things to make it so that a, a wider player base could engage with what was considered to be an MMO at that time, right? So it's really... I think a wonderful experience to go through and see the history of WoW and like go through those old raids because there are so many defining mechanics, structures, systems, all sorts of things that would kind of set a precedent in the genre across the board for so many games. And Final Fantasy XIV, while it does a lot of things differently, does draw on a lot of WoW. Like it, it does, like you were Yoshi saying. Yoshi P straight up said so. He, lo he, yeah. said he loves it. I mean, even going down to like, you know, uh, Granted, you can play all classes on one character, which is a significant difference, right? right. Um, that was always kind of a hang-up for me in World of Warcraft, where I was like, oh, man, it's such, it's so annoying to have to read, right. you know, make a new character, do the whole thing, right? Especially with the way that they balance. Yeah. Just saying. And, like, there's more variety. Like, you can spec in different ways, you know what I mean? So it's not, like, super limiting. Mm -hmm. But just, like, the overall structure of, you know, the way you your buttons, your abilities, your things are kind of set up. Um, you can tell that they kind of built it on a foundation of WoW and then sort of went from there. Um, but there there are a lot of things that are like good and bad about that history. Because on like one hand, there's a lot that has affected things. But on the other hand, I think we're starting to see the game kind of buckle underneath its own legacy at this point. Yeah. And like the past few expansions have been so rocky because they've tried to do some different things. <sighs> Draenor's Garrison oh, being boy. one that I want to put out into this yeah. space right now. Um, which is interesting because I think we can almost look at it too in comparison to like Domen Enclave in a set, sort of in a sense, mm. but it had its own kind of like gameplay mechanic yeah. to it where, you know, you had these like, for anybody who doesn't know, um, it was kind of, it's like a, con a command camp that you can upgrade and you're like addressed as like a commander there and stuff. And there are these sort of like missions you can send people out on, but they were timed with real time and took forever and were super annoying. Like it was, it was a risk, but awful. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was uh, akin to player housing because it was your space and you could build on it what you wanted to build for your, you're like, oh, you know, I'm a leather crafter, so I'll build this type of, you know, thing. You had a mine, you know, and it was a cool idea. 
but man oh man the time commitment like you're you're talking about some of those missions that was the start of the mission table that they've kept each expansion since then so um, i'm hearing worse than diadem yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm, Drain- Warlords that's Drain- bad it's not not a great expansion <laughs> It was, it was a rough X-Pack. Yeah, there's timey-wimey stuff that didn't really go well with the lore. It introduced alternate timelines in a strange way. I mean, it was still interesting and, and cool, because, you know, I still do enjoy the lore of Warcraft in general. Like, maybe not WoW, but Warcraft in general. Um, Differentiation Draenor, on that one. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, full disclosure, after Lich King, I played a little bit of Cataclysm and a little bit of Mists of Pandaria, and then I came back for Warlords of Draenor, and then Legion. So, like, I don't know the in-between. Like, I was like, nope, <laughs> I'm not playing that. I don't care about that. But in WoW, you probably don't need to. Not really, no. Uh, they are doing an interesting thing now, uh, just talking about leveling, where you pick the expansion you want to level through, and then you play that whole story contained, and by the end of that, you're max level. So you can just go, oh, you know what? I didn't play during the times of Mist of Pandaria, so I'll just do that one, um, which is really cool. Can I you like change your mind in the middle? I think so. Okay. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, because everything scales to you. Okay. So it's like you could just you could just level anywhere you felt like mm. um, up till uh, max level right now, but it's well, it won't be max when the expansion comes out. This is kind of the pre-expansion time. So that's, I didn't that's know that, cool. actually. I mean, they've been adjusting a lot of systems. Like, yes. We, we, with World of Warcraft, there's like so much in this. It's funny because we have like more structured points for a lot of the yeah. other ones, but WoW is just, it's huge. It's a huge yeah. game. There's so much stuff in it. It's hard to even know where to begin, honestly. Um, but like, it is, I've seen them doing a lot of things that I think have been good changes mm-hmm. in these months leading up. Um, because like, like I said, things that I always liked about World of Warcraft, I thought like, you know, the raids and the sort of content was diverse and interesting, had unique mechanics. Mm-hmm. I thought the world itself was very beautiful yes. and interesting, even if I didn't always feel like I had incentive to actually engage with it or explore it because of that, like jumping ahead, you know, like right. it, it was really tough. Um, and I did I did find that, like we talked about earlier, and I think we'll probably talk about this more later, that the community, um, especially as somebody who wasn't a part of the community for years, right? Like if I had been in a guild with people that I knew and that I liked, I think my experience in WoW would have been very different. But mm-hmm. as somebody who was like just me and, you know, a couple people that I really liked and then was going solo a lot of times, it was some of my worst experiences in an MMO ever. Like, absolutely yeah. abysmal. Um, but there's all these things that I liked. But then there were always these counterbalances that kind of prevented me from wanting to continue or, like, engaging with things that I loved. Like rep grinds you know i hate the rep grinds like world of warcraft cc has a variety of races that a lot of others when you consider all the ones in x packs and everything right it has a variety of races more comprehensive than other games but Mm -hmm. the actual choices for each of those races are far more limited like you're far more likely to see a copy paste of yourself somewhere in the world and then you lock all the interesting ones behind these rep grinds that just made me want to die inside like (laughs) I just, I couldn't, I was like, I could be playing any other game except for doing these terrible reps right now. Like, I just hated it. And the fact that they've done away with those, right? Like, so you don't have to do the Mm -hmm. rep grind to unlock the races. Awesome. The fact that now they are like allowing players to have a leveling experience that makes use of those old environments. That's awesome. Like, I love all that stuff. It's, it's just, it's such a big old tangly mess. (laughs) Yeah. You know, they got... They got into this this loop of 
as anyone who plays WoW will say, they will groan at this phrase, but borrowed power. Huh. So just the, the concept of borrowed power is that at some point they went, well, we can't keep giving you abilities forever, right? Like, we've had nine <laughs> I can't even remember. Right? And, you know, 14 is going to get to that place as well. So they started to prune abilities, and they're like, ah, but that doesn't feel good. What can we do? How can we give them power temporarily and then take it away at the end of the expansion? So they started this with Legion and the artifact weapons, which were amazing. I kind of liked the idea, like the lore of it. Like, oh, man, I got this. I've always played a rogue. I got these daggers that were Garona's, who is this legendary assassin. Amazing. This is cool. They have their own talent tree. Great. They have abilities. This is good. And then there was a grind to to get those things. Okay, that's fine. It's an MMO. You know, you have to keep doing it. But then <laughs> Imagine the a grind Legion, in an MMO. <laughs> right. At the end of Legion, those artifact weapons cease working. Period. All the time you put into them gone well you can just use them for glamour transmog and wow's parlance um sounds familiar but that's gone right yeah and then the next expansion introduced something new for an expansion period of time that would give you abilities and things like that but every time something gets taken away you go back to the base class and the base class just doesn't work anymore and so oh. sometimes in between expansions you're like oh man right now in between expansions everyone's happy because the last borrowed power system was so bad that they're like, thank goodness, no more corruption, which was a really weird, interesting mechanic. Where, so, you know, mm. corruption is really interesting, actually. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like a disaster, but it's really interesting. So it sounds kind of like uh, when you go into a dungeon at like level 20 and you're like, oh God, I miss insert every ability name right. here. Yeah, but permanently until you build back up during the, the expansion. Um, sounds rough. Yeah, and you know, they're, they're being better about giving back some of these things that people really liked in newer expansions in other mm -hmm. ways. But yeah, corruption right now, um, and this is a very interesting mechanic, so we could definitely talk about it. So basically there is this corrupted gear. You put it on, and it has a value. Like, let's say this has five corruption. At different breakpoints, so like at ten corruption, something bad happens to you always, right? Like, okay, you have this ability, you have this gear, but every once in a while, something's gonna drop from the sky and hit you right you could dodge it but if you get more corruption it's harder to dodge does more damage more corruption harder to dodge more, does more damage and things like that but then you have corruption resistance on gear so that you get to balance it does stuff actually um, fall out of the sky yes uh, yeah i think so <laughs> what like, this is, i okay i just found out about this because i'm i haven't actively played uh, yeah. in the most yeah. recent expansion but my partner has been raiding and so they were like, they were telling me about corruption and showing it to me. And like, it kind of has this twist to it that's like Cthulian almost, mm -hmm. right? Like madness cool. of the old gods kind All of right. thing, right? Mm -hmm. So like, the thing is though, that these effects apply even in like raids, mm -hmm. even in like, if you have gear and this corruption effect triggers, it is almost like an added difficulty modifier mm -hmm. that like, in order to, in order to have the buffs of this gear, you have to also risk the negatives, but then it also requires all of this weird upkeep and management where you're having to like purge the corruption or, you know, like you were saying, like put on counterbalances to it. And like, the thing that's funny to me is that I actually kind of like this. Mm -hmm. And like, like you were saying, <laughs> just give me a second. Like you were saying, all you know, 
the like the relic weapons and things because I in Legion I did work on one right. Mm -hmm. So like in theory at the beginning I felt very much like you did yeah. too, where I was like, wow, I really like that now for the end game. You know, it's not just about X, Y, or Z. Like now we are kind of taking this journey through this story with this you know ancient weapon and we're doing all this stuff to amplify it. And and I liked that, but it's kind of like you were saying, it's these incredibly complex systems that only apply for a single expansion that you're gonna put an insane amount of time into. Like, that relic weapon was not a joke. Like, you had to put so much time. And when I even just took a few months off, I was like, I'm so far behind now with this that like, I don't even know half of what I would need to do to even be able to make this thing. And like, new players coming in, doing that expansion, don't expect this thing to be the major crux of their gameplay and balance going into it, right? So it's like this neat thing, but then it becomes completely irrelevant. And like the same thing with this, uh, you know, the corruption gear. It's like, this is so cool in theory. And I actually think it's a super neat way, like as a concept to allow certain players to, like I said, almost add difficulty modifiers to other content. But then you start getting into this discussion of like, well, but what's the trade-off or reward for this? You know, like, is this an optional sort of, gameplay system people can engage with and then get a whole bunch of extra achievements from like if you max out your corruption do you get a special title if you're managed like if your entire party clears the raid with your corruption max it's like it's this weird thing that like actually just kind of cripples the player base and yet doesn't it's not you know what i'm like it's yeah it's basically the game you play is you get as much resistance as you possibly can you stay up as far as you can <laughs> and you know maybe you'll you'll risk it but it's only really if you have gear that gives you the biggest bonus um yeah the biggest thing about wow that i will say versus 14 and i'm a little scared with 14 going in this direction um, oh rng in your performance in a raid i hate it oh, i yeah. hate that i hate when it's not you it is the buffs that randomly got applied to you it is you know, like, situations in the battle, fine, that's mechanics, okay. But it's like, oh, you have a 50% chance to to proc this when you want it to proc. I hate them. There are some, there are some times in, in WoW, and, you know, this is from people who raid a lot more than I do, because I, I only do uh, the LFG raid, so basically the Duty Finder raid, um, which is a cool mechanic that they add in, into it, basically normal modes that we have. Um, but it's just so different from pole to pole because of the timing of the buffs of when this may have procced or this and your damage could be vastly different and then there's the rng of did you get the right item because you can't you can't target it so do you have the item that'll make you do the damage no uh, you know then you're not going to do as much as you're supposed to do and to me there's a little bit of that in 14 not much of course you know cards but not really i don't i don't feel that they're too bad um, but, like, single source buffs always wrangle me a little bit, um, just because of my history in WoW and, and the RNG from there. So, you know, I, that that's the main thing about WoW right now, rating that I've, I've heard a lot of people complain about. So hopefully they'll they'll change that, and hopefully 14 won't go down that road. Yeah, I think 14 has done a good job balancing it. Mm -hmm. Like, the, the RNG is definitely it, it's interesting right because even from things like mounts in wow right mm -hmm. like <laughs> my partner has been playing wow like since it released mm -hmm. and there is this one dumb dragon 
it's I don't even remember what it's called. It? It's this like ancient time worm that flies around yes. the really cool raid that has the Old the starbs are yes. Yeah. And they have been trying to get this stupid dragon for weeks. We camped oh, the spawn spots. We tried to get this stupid dragon and it never showed up, you know? And it's so funny because like to this day, like after playing the game for however many years, they still have not gotten it. And then you look at like the special mounts and things from 14 and like the way, even if I do think, you know, 99 totems, like sometimes I'm like, that's yeah. a little much, okay. Um, they have like consciously across the board in a lot of different ways, I think tried to like negate the effects of RNG and even in things like Astrologian, like you're talking about, right? Mm -hmm. You have so much control over the way that you manipulate cards, even before the changes that like, if you had an idea of how to play the class, it wasn't that much whims of fate. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You, you couldn't maneuver things to be able to still do what you essentially needed to do within a very specific margin, right? Like, uh, so it's, it is interesting because I think WoW has relied on RNG and extremely intensive grinds over the years mm -hmm. to generate content, like under the assumption that players will just continue to do it. And then when other MMOs really most more recently have started kind of coming out with different solutions to that grind sort of system or that RNG sort of system, they found that I think a lot of players have gotten sick of it and wanted right. to other places where there are more efficient ways to achieve what they want in a game, you know? It does burn you out, that grind. Definitely. Yeah, I guess the, the last thing that I do want to say to give WoW some credit <laughs> is about Mythic Plus. So uh, yeah. what that is... Uh, to the, the unfamiliar. So WoW has dungeons like 14 has dungeons. Somewhere um, Brian is smiling. Yes, somewhere. Oh, Brian. Um, so basically these dungeons are at a single difficulty. There's, there's a couple, but there is a max difficulty called Mythic, right? And that would be fine enough as our extreme. But when you do these Mythic plus dungeons... At the end, if you do it within a time limit and not, an, you know, not a lot of people die, you'll get a key to one that's harder. And you can keep going. You know, keep finding groups, keep getting harder, keep getting better gear. Um, and then at the end of a week, you get gear from a chest, depending on how far you got. Which is so cool. I mean, like, we talk about replayability of dungeons. And yes, you know, they still get boring. Uh, they added some Mythic Plus as you go up through the tiers, like, as you, I don't remember the breakpoints, but, like, somewhere around, like, plus six or plus seven, you get an affix, like, oh, now the enemies, uh, as they see each other die, they'll get stronger. So now you have to oh. kill them in order, right? So you, like, we can't leave that one left alive, because it will kill us if it's the last one. Or, you know, things like, oh, they drop a pool under them when they die, so we have to keep moving. Um, things like that. Really fun little mechanics to toss in there to keep it new. And I would love to see this in 14. Absolutely. It right? kind of seems like maybe they're not exactly copying it, but emulating a little bit of uh, that feeling with the uh, Unreal Trials. Right. Well, yeah. I would love to see affixes come in there. Man, that would be cool. Yeah, I don't know. I don't A little bit. Is yeah, that, no, just a very little bit. I would almost say that the Unreal Trials are closer to time walking in World of Warcraft. Which is okay. like when they 
take dungeons, and it's been a while since I talked about this, so let me know if I'm remembering wrong, but mm. where they like take dungeons and things and then they make them replayable in like a, you're sort of synced on level mm -hmm. with it. So it's not like additional difficulty modifiers are being added. It's just that unlike all of the other cues, kind of like how 14 does automatically, you are synced down to that dungeon, right? So like, you don't just blast everything. You are like, again, required to it. What would essentially kind of be the equivalent of like minimum eye level. Um, experience the original homage of the dungeon yeah. or whatever, you know? And so far, so far with Unreal Trials, I think the difference here and what would make it closer to time walking versus like um, Mythic Plus systems is the fact that we haven't seen anything new added with Shiva, right? Like the Shiva fight is just synced to accommodate like current skill sets and things. Um, but it's not like they added in new difficulty modifiers or like new things to her fight that like, um, yeah, yeah. you know, a new mechanic or a new, it's like, it kind of is and kind of isn't, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I do think, oh, oh Alvin, no, you go ahead, you go ahead. <laughs> I was just gonna say as a joke, there's one thing that they added back to the Shiva fight and that's when, when those circles go off, right? We're so used to, I'm uh. out of it, it went off, I don't get hit. The timing of kind of, you know, 2.0 was a little bit weirder. Like everyone's now used to, okay, as soon as that telegraph goes off, I can step back into it. Ah, the timing's a little bit different and some people have definitely eaten. Server ticks! Ah. Yeah, server ticks. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, it, there are definitely some things that have tripped people yeah. up and killed them real hard in that, especially if they didn't do it when it was, like, oh, you know, yeah. original. So accurate to the original, it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting, and I'm curious to hear what you both think, because I think that the... I'm torn on this, right? Mm -hmm. Like, to some degree, we had something, I mean, sort of like this, but not really, with our hard-mode dungeons. Like, when I first encountered those in 14, I was like, oh, this is, like, mythic? So like, it's going to be the same, but then it's going to be more different. And I was like, oh no, it's like a different experience it's and it's different. At, you know, at a higher level. And it's like a different sort of little plot that continues the narrative of yeah. that dungeon, right? I, I but, love the fact, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh no, all I was going to say is that like, I'm curious if both of you think that having, so like we're, we're down to one dungeon per patch, right? But I'm curious if both of you think that it would be more beneficial in the long run to do something like a mythic system where these dungeons do have scaling difficulties that you can clear and get different rewards for, right? Or if you would like to see us continue with something like not have something like that, but instead continue to have iterations of like a hard mode or uh, yeah, like these different versions of dungeons that may not necessarily completely correlate in the way that the content is structured, but um as opposed to like reusing a dungeon and then adding on modifiers is basically what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I've heard pretty much only good things about Mythic Plus. So I'm not really opposed to the idea, but having never really experienced it myself and also like, I, I like seeing the effort that they had been putting into making a second dungeon being put other places where we're really starting to see concrete, good content coming back to us uh, from whatever efforts they took out of dungeons, right? I, I feel. Uh, Castrum, for example, which is kind of funny since it's so difficult to get into. Castrum's really fun. And I feel like that is one of those things that we got because they didn't have that particular team working on a second dungeon. Um, I, maybe in the case of 14, the team is just too small to do something 
like that, maybe? We we know it has it has a typically smaller team than a lot of MMOs. But I don't know. I I I'm not opposed to the idea. I just don't know how well it would fit with with the direction that they're headed currently. Yeah. I mean I, I would love to see something something similar to it somewhere. More more endless content that is fun and also gets you in game materials somehow. <laughs> you know, like whether that be for crafting, whether that be for, you know, raiding, you know, because we have the the you know, tombstone system, which I've said just like the badges from WoW back in Burning Crusade, I think, is when they introduced it. Um, and, you know, that's great. That is very cool. But there's something about that aspirational dungeon content where there are people who can't get eight people, right? You can't mm-hmm. get eight people to do a raid. You can get four people. And we had Heaven on High and things like that, that, yeah, you know, all right, we could do this with our group of four, and it's aspirational, and, you know, there's less stuff you get out of that, but I think we need more of that small group content. That's fair. Um, it's actually so, kind of kind of uh, apparent with the way that Cashton works, because if mm-hmm. you go in and you don't have enough people, that's the reason it doesn't work sometimes. Exactly. No, but but you mentioned um, being able to get different kinds of materials and stuff mm-hmm. from specifically the dungeons. I think that would be a, a great way for people to make money. And I think yeah. people would be into it. it. It sounds sort of like maps in that you could go in and get right. things that maybe not everybody would get. Um, it makes me think of how sometimes we'll just do a couple extra runs of, uh, like, a primal fight. Because mm-hmm. it's like, well, maybe we'll get a couple extra scales or something and we can sell them for a million a pop, right? Yeah. So that that actually is what makes me think, hmm, I would maybe wouldn't mind having these extra dungeons that give me special materials. Yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah. And it does give you something to do. And, and I think it is a smart reuse of content, you know, because they're not having to completely create new assets for everything. Um, I mean, when we get to Guild Wars 2, we'll talk a little bit about their scaling fractals, which are very similar, even though they technically predated Mythic. Mm-hmm. But, um, <laughs> wink, yeah, wink. Like I- <laughs> wink, wink. But the idea of having like this kind of scaling stuff, I think, is not a bad one. Um, and I do think we need more four-man content. Like, I've heard a lot of people, you know, saying, like, I really would like extreme four-mans. I really would mm-hmm. like these different things. Um, and it's, it's interesting because I do think it would be fun. And I think, like you said, it's easier to get four people together. Right. As opposed to like, Castrum, I love, I do. I think it's so cool. Um, and people have compared it a lot, almost closer to WoW raids, right? Because yeah. you have the trash mobs, you have the story. Um, and I actually do love that personally because I, I mean, I love the primals and I love raids as they are. I love the difficulty of them, but you do kind of get tired of just seeing like boss on circle. Boss mm-hmm. on square. Boss on square, it falls apart. Boss on circle, turns to ice. Boss. <laughs> I'm telling you, every time a, an arena is symmetrical, I just go, why you do this to me? Because I, I stare at the ground to know where I am. And like, I'm just like, oh man, I have to move my... So I move my mini-map and so I can see the markers on the mini-map. And I can be like, oh, A is to the left of me. All right, then that's north and this is okay. Like, I just... Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, there, I agree. There was one last. Wait, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, no. Uh, one last thing that I wanted to. Oh, wait, 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 wait. really quick. Oh, go. go. Talking about cast room really quick. Uh, I wish that scaled, honestly. Scaled oh, lower. Yeah. If you could go in and do cast room with like four to six people, I, I realize that would take probably a long time, but that would yeah. be fun. I think that would be really fun. Yeah, I wonder. 
Yeah, I wish that I wish it scaled like fates do, because you know you can go and do a fate by yourself, two people. Why not the main end content of that little piece of uh, the world? <laughs> Missed opportunity. <laughs> Maybe they'll put something in in the future to kind of scale it. That'd be um, great when it gets a little bit more. You know, I mean. People are like, it's dead now, but like, you know, when it's not like current, current content, maybe okay. they'll do something like that, because I think that would be cool to do. Um, all I was going to say is that the last thing I wanted to talk about was transmog system. Yes. Because having played through the revamp of this, it gives me faith that in 14, we could also see a revamp. <laughs> and we cut, you know, we did with the wardrobe and stuff, but like, in the glamour dresser in the but even that as we've talked about does not really have a cohesive vision um what was so good about this transmog rework that they did and wow was this prior to draenor or draenor or it's around that era if i remember correctly somewhere during that yeah like think right so? before yeah i think I'm um sure. they redid it all so that like transmog which is the equivalent of like glamour um, it, it does still have its own little kind of hangups, like you have to go to a guy who applies it to you and pay him money and stuff like that, which is sort of annoying and nobody did that, you know, it's, it's not like super I don't convenient. like paying money for things. I know. <laughs> Even but, fake money. But on the other hand, they introduced a like glamour catalog, a transmog catalog with this essentially, where you can now see every single piece of gear in the game. You can then preview that gear on your character and like create different dream ensembles. Then, not only that, when you hover over an item, it will tell you what it's from. Mm -hmm. It will tell you like what boss drops it, what the, you know, like all this stuff, right? And then it's kind of like this nice little checkboard that you have where you can go through and be like, I want every piece of gear in this game. And like we see players in 14 doing that with the orchestrians, we see them doing it with all sorts of other things. I want all the minions. Like, Having a visual collection is so neat. And being able to like even- A visual collection that doesn't fill up your inventory. <laughs> yes. And that's the thing. When you acquire that gear and you have it, it automatically unlocks it for you in that catalog. So you can get rid of it. You can you know do whatever you want with it. And that catalog is account wide. So like no matter what character you're on, you can, you know, use it and you can use the looks that you've unlocked. Um, Lord, would I give my, my right arm to get that in Final Fantasy But how would you use your mouse? Me assuming that you're not left-handed. <laughs> I'll become ambidextrous. Yeah. Okay. You'll get some eye tracking and see if it can't work that way. Yes. Yeah, 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 There's yeah. a lot of possibilities. There's a lot of good accommodations right now. Um, but... Yeah, no, I just, I I want it so bad. And I think WoW did such a smart thing with that. Like, that was a great adjustment that they mm -hmm. did. 14 could easily learn from. And I mean, they, I think that they have just about as much gear. I mean, they there's so much gear from the histories of, uh, the histories and different periods of WoW. Um, honestly, it's just nice to have that, right? Mm. Yes, hopefully. Hopefully one day. I think, uh, I think that's enough WoW. Yeah, I think so. We've been talking I mean, about one gonna, for a while. Yeah, it was going to take the longest just because it, it's, it is. It's the big one. Yeah. It's the big one. So I'm actually, I'm going to suggest we hop to uh, Elder Scrolls from that one. Okay. Because uh, they have a very similar, uh, like, collection system, right? Mm -hmm. um, which they actually updated, like, two days ago, I think. They did, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, uh... 
for for those who don't know, the uh, the system in Elder Scrolls uh, is is actually more expansive, I think, than WoW's even, because not only not only does it have uh, the gear in it, right? It has your mounts and your pets, and it, it's all under like one thing, one big ass category. Mm-hmm. I think I think WoW eventually did that. Oh, okay. Now there's like a collection view, but ESO had it first, I believe. When yeah. yeah. Good job, yes. And they also have just like there's I mean there's just so much stuff that mm. they've put into ESO as far as like cosmetic things even beyond just what we normally think of in a lot of other games which I love and I think is super neat, right? But, but there is also partially yeah. because you have to buy a lot of that stuff. Yes, and we will get to that cuz yes. the cash shop is one of my biggest complaints about Elder oh, Scrolls boy. Online. But um, it is neat, right? So the collections, like you said, encompass all sorts of things, and there's different categories. So there are, like, um, outfits. Mm -hmm. So entire ensembles that are oftentimes maybe not able to be realized as, like, a single piece, but that are, like, an entire look that then applies over all gear that you have automatically. Uh, Which is Um, so good when you're, like, leveling and getting new stuff, because then you don't look like a shit show. (laughs) Yeah, it just, it'll automatically do that. And it oftentimes gives you like a more cohesive look just right off the bat in a way that like maybe sometimes individual pieces can't realize because you're trying Mm -hmm. to do like pants or a skirt or, you know, like you can have a ball gown. You can have like, they they make it work in, in interesting ways for that. And then there are individual pieces of cosmetic gear. Then there's also a separate catalog for unlocked looks that you have unlocked the like recipes for. Um, like if you're crafting, right? So you can get and unlock these. And then even if you're not crafting the actual pieces, you have in your collection just those looks that you can apply as glamour over other stuff. Um, they also have a whole collection of things called personalities, which are modifiers to your character's demeanor, disposition, stance. Yeah. stance. Um, some of them have custom Runs. animations. For, yeah, like some of them will change how you sprint, walk, They'll even some of them change various emotes that you have mm-hmm. so that the emote that you use will have a unique flair distinctive to that personality. So cool. like, I know. I had no idea. Like as an L is in male, I would like to run in a different way. Just saying. So that'd be cool. <laughs> yeah. Most of the runs that I've noticed are just goofy though. Like there's a oh. jester run where you pick your knees up like up to your shoulders as you run. It is goofy. Oh, supposed to be Naruto goofy because run. it's a jester. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. There's an assassin Naruto run nice. there. I mean, it's it's just like, it's neat, right? Um, like, I think there's sort of a, oh, there's a Magister one, which makes you kind of stand in this, like, I don't know, sassy mage uh, way. And yeah. it's you, like a duchess and you, you do the like shoulders back, hands down, fingers pointing out, prim bullshit stuff. Mm. Yeah. There's like an assassin that when you're idling will flip a dagger mm-hmm. and catch it, which is really fun. Um, there's just a lot of neat little things that are really cool with that. Uh, mounts also go in, minions go in. Um, yeah, there's just, there's just a ton of stuff in the collections, and they are all account wide. Yeah, and they are all usable anywhere. Like, mm. like there are some things with like a uh, glamour application that still exists, but like outfits and things you can put on on the fly. Hairstyles that are cataloged in there you can put on on the fly. Um, there's a ton of different stuff. And it, it's really comprehensive and really nice. The one so thing cool. that really gets me about the collections, um, well, aside from the fact that if you want to apply certain things, it does cost money, which I mentioned, I hate. Um, 
Wow, what do I hate about collections? Let me look at this thing. I forgot. Oh, the the fact that the things, uh, s certain things you have to get basically uh, like a scroll for to to have forever, right? And these scrolls can be a huge pain in the butt to get. Crafting recipes. Yes, okay. and it, it does move directly into crafting. The crafting system, like actually doing the crafting is very, very simple. But the way that it's organized is crap. It is, <laughs> it is honestly crap. You have to get, you have to go and get recipes for every single tiny thing you want to make. And it's so hard to even discover like what things exist if they didn't have things like wikis or uh, trade center, uh, like, basically a mock board online. Like you would not know that majority of these things exist. And once you get them, this is the worst part. Uh, you don't, you don't. The, the recipe itself t tells you what kind of, uh, like, crafter it belongs to, like, cloth craft, leather craft, whatever. But once you use it, you don't have, like, a pop-up menu on you you can find it on. You have to go to the workbenches to find it on the workbench. And if you're like, okay, well, I found this this carpet. It's probably cl cloth craft. You look through the cl cloth craft run, which is, again, organized in a dumb way. It's like... This one is for this kind of room in your house, and this one is for this kind of room in your house. This is for the foyer. This is for outside. This is for a parlor. What the heck goes in a parlor? Like, it's a it's a lighting thing. Is it parlor? Is it is it outside? I could put this literally anywhere. Why is this organized by rooms? This is really stupid. And then, like, going back to my example, the carpet thing, you're looking in Clothcraft. It's not there. Oh, well, that's because it has some hide in it, so it's over at Leathercraft instead. The menus to find any of your recipes are abysmal. It's bad. And as far as I know, there is no well-organized source to just be like, what's in this? Oh, actually, I think there is one thing as long as it's a housing item. Yeah. Hmm. There, I mean, okay. One thing that we have to kind of acknowledge about ESO right off the bat is that it is add-on compatible and that yeah. people make add-ons out the wazoo for this game, right? So there are very specific add-ons for doing exactly what you want to do. Now, Zed, all of that said, I tend to prefer to play the vanilla game. That's, oh. that's kind of my instinct. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know. I know. Everybody's going to cry and cringe. I know it. But especially I mean, I don't mean so much. I don't blame you at all, but you should have certain things in a vanilla game. And this is, this is more of what yeah. I, I dislike about this game. Continue. I'm sorry. Yes. No, what I was going to say is that, like, I mean, it kind of keeps up with the rest of the Elder Scrolls franchise, right? The idea that mods and stuff are things that are kind of a part of it. But um, 14 in opposition is very, like, you know, it's even hard for modders <sighs> to do stuff a lot of times with just cosmetic Quality not, of you know, life. Like, yeah. There's no add-ons or things that are supported for 14. So this is a huge difference. Um, I like to play vanilla game usually because I oftentimes stream it. And I don't like to confuse people about, mm. like, what the game has in it. And then they get it and they're like... Where's that menu that Rook was looking at? Where's you know? my mini map? This game doesn't have a mini map built in. Yeah. So I have found <laughs> ways to work around that. But as far as crafting and gathering and market boards, which is a whole other thing we'll get to at some point, um, Adam is really the way to go in ESO. <laughs> now, all of that aside, specifically talking about crafting and gathering, is that I'm going to kill you here with what I'm about to say, and I'm so sorry. It's fine. I like crafting and gathering more in Elder Scrolls than I do in Final Fantasy. You know, I I, I do also. Gathering in Elder Scrolls is honestly enjoyable for me. I like it. It's but, good. But those crafting menus are organized real dumb. Oh yeah, they're terrible. But um, I, 
And I honestly, I have a little bit of different opinions about the the recipes too, because I agree with you that the organization and the categorization and everything is super annoying. But I do actually like that there is a drive to discover recipes as a crafter or gatherer, you know what I mean? And that like interacting with the world and doing a variety of content and looting a whole bunch of urns. Urns contain a lot of the general recipes. I love that stuff. I love that (laughs) stuff, I really do. there are That's reasons- actually part of my favorite part of the game. Yeah, like there are reasons to interact with the environments and explore beyond just kill thing, get reward. Like there are all these little things where like if you do this stuff, you might get these recipes or you can trade back and forth. You can sell the recipes, right? And then you can build up your actual like catalog of things that you can make, which I like and I like doing that. I wish more games kind of had a reason for that but it is confusing and i do agree with you in that it is not super clear cut and when you first start you're like wahawa yeah (laughs) for for me it honestly comes down to another thing that's really great about this game housing uh because if i am trying to design something in a house i want to know what all my options are you know if i if i'm like i need a blue rug i don't want to have to spend 10 minutes searching through the internet to find the perfect blue rug. I just want to know. I just, I just want to know. But other, like, other than that, housing in this game is so spectacular. One of the things we are forever complaining about in 14 is the lack of instance housing. And the housing in Elder Scrolls is completely instanced. And there's like more than a hundred houses, I think, and you can own all of them. There are limits to how many people you can have in the house at a time, but that's fine. Yeah. You can have every single one and you can teleport. Like you can choose which one is the one that your friends teleport to off of a list. You can set different privacy settings for each of the estates. Um, you Like there's so much stuff and they all have physical locations in the game. So you can use them as free teleports, which is amazing. Like otherwise in Elder Scrolls, um, if you are just like on the map and you want a way shrine or like go to another place, you have to pay. But if you like walk to the physical location of a way shrine, you can teleport for free. But your houses on the maps operate as just free 24, like always can use them as free teleports to get around the maps, which is super neat. You can own all of them. They range from a tiny apartment that you get in the game to literal mansions like that are multi-wing, have like an outdoor area, an indoor, like, it's it's bonkers. I think the last two that they released, one was like a lake, an iced over lake with a cave and like a campfire. That's it. That's all there is to this thing. And then the the next one was a vampire mansion. It's a huge mansion that looks like many people were tortured inside. It's down in the like underground mushroom dark glowy area next to some lava. It's nuts. The, the range on these, like Rook said, is nuts. Yeah, and you can decorate them so freely. Oh my gosh. Like, do you want to put something random and floating in the air? Sure, do it. Yes, and you can uh, rotate it. You mm-hmm. can move it on its axis. Like you don't have to glitch five things to elevate a thing. You literally just grab it and you stick <laughs> it in the air and you're done. <laughs> it's real good. Yeah. <sighs> you may be wondering why I'm so quiet. Uh, so I played Elder Scrolls Online in the beta, and I oh. hated it. Oh, yeah. I hate it. I Some games start very badly. 
ah yeah i just i couldn't and for me it was the combat i hate the combat oh i do not like it and like for me i need to raid in an mmo if i'm gonna stay in it and i was like i'm not raiding in this even if there are raids which i don't even know if there are because i don't care there are yeah there are now there are okay. now yeah i i yeah i personally haven't haven't done any of the raids uh 14 is my raid game, and I just mm -hmm. do not have time to have multiple raid MMOs. Right. But, uh, I mean, out, I, f I feel like it's it's important to mention that outside of, of raiding in this game, I enjoy it quite a lot. Hmm. I, I even I have the subscription thing so that I can I can get the most out of the game that I feel necessary, and I still don't raid in it. Um, it's... Go ahead. Go ahead, Ben. I'm sorry. You and yeah. I have so many feelings about yeah. online. We are like, we're just basking in them. Please. Continue. I was I was going to talk about teleportation. So if you have something to say relevant to what we were still talking about, then go combat ahead. Combat and raiding. I was going to talk about combat, yeah. Do it. Okay. You up. Um, Do it. So I have been into Trials. Um, mm -hmm. The big thing, I'll, you know, I actually got the game when it was released. Right. And like you, I, I actually played it on console at first. Mm -hmm. And I do think that it has great, again, this is a trait of Elder Scrolls that I think is worth mentioning. You can play console PC. Like, yeah. um, it's great. And No um, cross-platform, though. No cross-platform, yeah. which is important. Um, but it plays well on both. So there is that. And uh, I hated the game at first as well. <laughs> <laughs> there, were thi there were things I liked about it. Yeah. I had fun questing with each other. And eventually I'll talk about quests, which are a whole other category of things I love in Elder Scrolls. But like, I had fun questing with people. You can actually do the quest together. That was great. Um, but I agree with you. It, it felt after a while, like one, the pace of progress was so slow in the initial release. It was agonizing. Two, there was no <laughs> clear cut end game content. They didn't really seem to know what they even wanted to do necessarily mm -hmm. with their content long term. Um, you know, it, it just had all these weird balancing issues. Now having come back into the game years later, and I've been playing for about three years now, on and off. Um, they have changed so much in a very good way. Mm. And I will say that I think probably Elder Scrolls' weakest component is its combat. Mm. I agree with you in that. Um, there are ways you can diversify it. Swapping weapons is a huge part of that. Oof. You have your weapons and the skill sets that they bring, as well as exploring additional skill trees, which I think are so cool in yeah. Elder Scrolls, yeah. to be honest. like. There are entire quest lines and plot lines that will unlock new skill trees that are completely unrelated to your class that you can then use to spec out builds. And sometimes they are things like, I went to the Mages Guild and I learned how to be a good mage and oh, I got embroiled in this ancient conflict. And oh, I unlocked at the end of it a bonus library that holds all the lore in the game and I can access it because I'm a smart boy because I'm a mage. But I also... <laughs> upgraded the mage skill tree, which means that now I have these other magic-based abilities that mm. I can spec into my builds. That's cool. On the other hand, you also have things like, I got bit by a werewolf, now I'm a werewolf man. Uh, rah, rah, rah. And then, That's <laughs> and true. And then you can upgrade that tree. Like, there's a lot of cool stuff that they do with that that I have no doubt makes balancing the game an absolute nightmare. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> that also, as a player gives you an agency in your build and in mm. your character that's really fun. And then when you take those builds into things like trials, which are kind of the new raid, I will say this, I don't think that raiding in ESO is of the same tier as Final right. Fantasy XIV. Um, that's not to say that it's bad. That's not to right. say that it's brain dead or that people who like it, you know, none of that. It is a much faster paced game. You have mm -hmm. dodge rolls. You have a more limited skill set that you use in the moment instantaneously. Casts and things are more chaotic as a result. 
AOEs are harder to read, and sometimes you're like, I don't know what's happening right now. Oh my god, my AOEs <laughs> are like almost full opacity magenta, so I can see that crap. Because the default is like, is there something that I'm dead? <laughs> yeah. So it's much more of a chaotic mess. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I will say that there is challenge to be found. There definitely is an actual end game now. Mm -hmm. And um, the raid structures are more similar to like WoW in structure, like we were talking about, right? Where you have trash and bosses. Right. And then there is a veteran mode of that, as well as veteran modes of dungeons, which is how you acquire most of the end game gear mm -hmm. and stuff. Um, and there's also some really neat rewards for completing things on Veteran. Like, there are these special, like, Sun Crackle skins that change your mm -hmm. skin into, like, you know, if you've done Sunspire, it makes you look like you are a, mm. a magical beacon for this particular goddess or this thing, you know, like, and you get those by completing, like, Vets, and they unlock in your catalog. And I think that is really cool, and it gives you more to work towards in a way even if the like actual combat stuff itself maybe isn't as like clean and clear cut and and really precise as it is in 14. Mm -hmm. sorry Absolutely. that's my long spiel about there's a lot of junk to get in that game um you mentioned weapon swapping i'm not gonna say it's bad but i hate it uh coming coming from other mmos where all of your abilities are on one bar and you can get to them uh, you can get to them by hitting basically you know one through twelve uh, and then maybe one other button combination. Having to swap before I hit something else drives me nuts, especially because I've ended up uh, playing a healer. So I have the one bar that's like, DPS, DPS, someone's dying. Hit a button to get to my healing stuff, they're dead. Uh, it drives me nuts. Uh, <laughs> but that that could also just be my inexperience, right? Um, I, well, this is a tiny little note about that. Guild Wars 2 also features weapon yeah. swapping. Guild Wars 2 has perfected it more than ES. Yeah, you know what? I, I don't dislike it in Guild Wars 2. Mm -hmm. Now that yeah. you mention it. It is clunky in ESO, and I, I'll admit that. Like, you get to the point where you get used to it, you do what you gotta do, right? Mm -hmm. But there are so many times where I'll hit something and a mess, it doesn't work, and then it doesn't, ha and then the other thing doesn't, and I'm like, and in ESO, I'm sitting there just like, I hit your button, why is this not happening? <laughs> <Come> <laughs> um, yeah. Whereas Guild Wars 2, from the get like that was just the, the backbone of a lot of their gameplay and it's real smooth so mm -hmm. like it's not you're not wrong for feeling the way you do zen because it is clunky in eso uh purchased a new mouse so that i could better play eso because the way that i play 14 i move with the mouse and i hit all of my abilities on my keyboard and you cannot do that you cannot do that in an Elder Scrolls, not at all. Nope, nope, nope. Although I do kind of like the like two. I guess you you block with right, you trigger with uh, left, and then if you hold both, is is hold both block, and then the other one's something else. I forget. It's, it's one of those. God. Oh, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Again, the excitement. No, no, no. I was just gonna say like I don't remember unless I'm actually doing it. You know, my yeah. hand knows what to do, my but brain does not remember how to tell you what to do. <laughs> Yeah, it's neat. Like, blocks can actually be a real thing. Because if you block somebody and then you use a power, like a strong attack against mm -hmm. them, you stagger them. So, like, that is a whole thing. Like, do I always think that the combat really makes use of it in a way that feels like, wow, I have all these options and they execute really smoothly and perfectly? No. But is it a cool detail that, like, you can absolutely use? Yes. I, I do think that they have some, like, um, additions to active combat that make mm -hmm. it really fun. And that active combat really shines in, like, the PvP content that right. they've developed. 
um, including a sort of world versus world zone or like an objective map, which is Cyrodiil, where you're like vying for territories and, you know, supply lines and things like that. Um, so it, it, it kind of flexes a little bit more in that way and leans more towards, I would say, active stuff like PvP things. Right. But it works in PvE content. It's just a little clumsy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you were talking about the, like, side quests that give you additional abilities. Um, the gear, though, they, they have uh, gear set bonuses, kind of does mm -hmm. the same thing. Like uh, a set that I have right now, when I put down any AoE uh, healing or DPS, it puts down an additional healing AoE. And I, I just, there's little stuff like that all over the game, which I think is really cool. But uh, to, to, again, tack onto the, the additional job quest stuff, that stuff works outside of combat as well, which I really, 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 really love. It's my favorite part of the game. Um, I believe the term is murder hobo. Uh, so my very most favoriteest thing to do in this game, uh, you go and you unlock the Thieves Guild and also the Assassin's Guild, uh, and you go and you steal from people and then murder them. <laughs> and I, I've mentioned this before, but yeah, I'm not just killing them because it's fun, because killing people's not okay, but if you don't kill them when you're done stealing from them, then the next person can't steal from them, and that's just not nice. <laughs> right? Right? So, yeah. Uh, but infiltrating someplace is really, really super fun. Uh, and you, you get these extra abilities from these side quests. So uh, I think it's cool that they, they utilize these these side guild things, both in combat and just mm -hmm. other random small mini game stuff. The stealing in the game is my favorite thing. And it, that also has to do with the uh, uh, urns that Roke mentioned earlier. Uh, boxes and bags and urns and all kinds of crap all over the place in this world. You look at it, you click it, and it gives you whatever is inside of it. I want that so much for 14. I love that <laughs> so much. I, I just wander around and I'm like, ooh, what's over here? Oh, look, a bag. Oh, something for me. I could just get lost wandering around and taking stuff. <laughs> I mean, it is fun. And there's, like we kind of touched on, there are specific things that, like, drop certain other things, right? So, like, urns. Like, there are even places where people will farm urns, because urns oftentimes have, like, base materials for different things. And, like, depending on what you're crafting, right, you have, like, a piece of gear. If you craft that gear in different materials, it reflects the, like, style of those materials, oh, okay. like, those yeah. core materials. So there's, like, different iterations, and, like, the higher level, um, you know, like, higher quality, and, and you kind of get better qualities as you level up your gathering and stuff. Um, the higher quality stuff will give you cooler looking versions of like that armor recipe that you have. Um, and that's super neat and I love it. Like some recipes are a little more limited, but there are other ones that are like very flexible and offer you this kind of scaling experience. But you can get a lot of the like base crafting component stuff from urns. You can also find recipes that people have like balled up and tucked into them. You can find furnishing items or like small decorative furnishing items in desks and things. So if you pilfer desks, you can get like books or like little you know little uh pieces, pieces of, of bread and bread like that you can put out in your houses which is fun um yeah it's I, cool yeah I, I i have not played the mmo very much but i've played all of these single player games and yeah you know that's that's always fun like i think morrowind i stole every fork i could find if there was a fork i was going to steal it you know like <laughs> i love that they brought that for my collection 
Yeah, I don't know uh, why. I think I filled a house in Satanine and, and Morrowind with just forks. Just completely, just dumped all the forks that I could in there. And that's I've heard of people doing that with candles and then just having yeah, like candles too. overloaded houses that are like beacons. Yeah, and you get yeah. close to it and your computer explodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You literally can do that in ESO, which is so <laughs> fun. I don't know if it would work in the same way in Final Fantasy. Um, mm. Mostly just because the amount of things that we have seem to be more kind of directly controlled in a sense. Yeah. Like, I think there are definitely things they could tuck into interactable areas, mm. right? Or even now with like the going back to like wander through and do a lower walk of the dungeons or something. Like there could easily be things there. But the environments are just kind of in such a different way that it's mm -hmm. like, right. and, you know, like those sources that crafting materials come from are so much more limited. And like the things that you might want to make with them, in a sense, are more limited as well to some degree. Like they're more controlled in what they release and, you know, give. Mm -hmm. um, it would be difficult, I think, for them to have just the same variety of just random garbo. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. What's funny is that a lot of it isn't even just garbo, you know, like you can find some pretty decent stuff from like the urns and things. And especially when you're starting even, out and you have no gear, you're like, yeah. film it. even the garbage in this game is great because it all has little ridiculous descriptions on it. Right. You can find the weirdest stuff that's just meant to be vendor trash. Literally on it, it's just like, just vendor this bro. Right. I will never but, forget. But it's hilarious items. I can't <laughs> think of anything. It's just... I'll never forget, uh, you know, playing Morrowind. This is why I, I do love the Elder Scrolls and I want to play the MMO more. For the first time, walking in a direction out of Satanine, and then I hear something, and I look up and someone falls out of the sky. And you go loot their corpse, and it's like a jumping potion. And then a note that says, hey, I'm working on this thing. I should have it finished soon. But he never made a way to slow fall. So, like, immediately, I take the potion and I jump. <gasps> and I and jump across, die. and I die too. No! But I saved before because I knew it was going to happen. Hilarious! That sort of stuff is great. Uh, you know, I enjoy a, a sense, of humor. sense of humor. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think that kind of transitions us, unless, was there anything else you wanted to say about, uh, say about stealing Zen? I love it so much. <laughs> good. That transition is probably my favorite part of ESO, which is, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I think is well done, but um, questing. Mm. I, I think the questing in ESO, kind of like stealing Zen, actually captures part of the spirit of the Elder Scrolls games that makes just like literally on any given day when I log into ESO, unless I have some sort of specific task that I want to tackle, I'm just like, I will pick a direction and walk in it. And then I go. And like, mm -hmm. there's so much stuff to do. Like, it's so fun. You never know when that guy's going to fall out of the sky. Like, right. There literally are all these little side quests that are so memorable. Like, Dragons in your own homeland. I know. <laughs> and they're all fully voiced. Um, yes. There is like a strength and a weakness with kind of the way that they format their storytelling in ESO, right? So each map will have some sort of major overarching story to it. And you can tell because it'll have kind of like in 14, a like important quest marker over it, right? So you can do that and you can get the full story of that map. Now you can go to any map, stuff will sync to you, stuff will, you know, like you can go anywhere. There are a few maps that are maybe- Play a with anybody difficult. too. But like, yeah, you can go anywhere, play with anybody. You can group up, you can quest together. A lot of times even the quest objectives are collective. So if you have to go get X things, you can all harvest together and then turn, that, like, turn them in. 
Um, it's it's a very like open experience in that sense, which does mean that the idea of like one cohesive, incredibly powerful directed narrative, like in 14, it doesn't really exist. It's not mm. the same. But even so, they do a pretty good job of tying together threads. So like there may be recurring little characters that if you there's this Norn, for example, who is constantly trying to arrange diplomatic relations with the different areas of the world. And depending on like which of his quests you've done in different areas, he'll recognize you, he'll have different dialogue for you, little things will pop up, and you get to kind of see the ongoing saga of this idiot. And it's so <laughs> funny. Like, there Oh, are... I know what you're talking about. That guy is yes. stupid. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's really fun. And some of them are more dramatic. Um, and, you know, uh, there are characters like Rosam Dar, who's That's from what I was gonna say. story. Who like will pop up and you know be doing he's like hey do you remember me and if you say no he's like bro <laughs> <laughs> it's fun though yeah. um and they do a nice job of giving you cohesion um and then also giving you fun rewards for doing that like i haven't been quite as impressed like elsewhere is one of my favorite settings mm. but uh Elsewhere felt like we kind of got slightly less quests and the zones were maybe a little smaller. Mm. And then when we got to Graymore, again, I felt like that first map, I was like, oh, this is smaller than I thought and there are far less quests. Um, some of the other zones, uh, like when I was doing Markarth and stuff like that, like there's so much. And at the end, there are these additional collections like the museum, where if you like you finish the main like story of that zone, you can go to the museum, and then they have all these other side quests where you go and like reclaim these ancient relics that then tell you more about the history of each portion of the map, and you bring them back, and then you unlock a set like multiple sets of cosmetic orcish cultural armor, and like all this, it's so neat. Yeah. I was like, this I could spend hours doing this, and I have. Um, so the questing is my favorite for sure, and I would love to see more quests like this in 14 because I think that they could absolutely like we've seen them do some really memorable side quests, um, Serpent of Ronka, like just yeah. straight up, you know. Mm -hmm. But like I'd love to see them integrate more the idea of side quests being a real thing, you know, like a real meat to storytelling that mm -hmm. um, you don't have to engage with, but that will absolutely give players more stuff in a zone, you know. Hmm. Uh, so I was going to talk about teleportation. I'm just going to throw it in real quick. Uh, it's not too, too different than uh, 14's Aetherite system in towns. Once you go to a way, waypoint, way shrine, way shrine, uh, you, you're attuned to it and you can go back to it anytime. It costs money. Uh, or if you go to a different way shrine, you can teleport for free from one to another. Uh, the thing that I actually really, really like about the, the teleportation system that's not necessarily super obvious is anybody who's on your friends list or any guild that you're in, you can teleport to at any time for free. Mm. So uh, there's actually a mod that uh, puts everybody in a list. And if you want to go to Somerset, for example, it tells you who's there. You may not know that person, but they sure are in Somerset, and that's where you want to be, and you can get there free now. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're paying attention, uh, you really don't have to pay any money to teleport in this system. It's, I, I really like it, but it's probably partially because you can make it free. I, I personally don't mind walking a little bit further if I don't have to give you my in-game monies. <laughs> yeah, you know, I noticed that because um, I played recently a little bit a very little bit like i don't even know what level i got to i don't know what i was playing i don't know what expansion it was. <laughs> i just played it for a little bit because a friend asked 
And I was like, wait, I could just teleport to you? Oh. Oh, that's cool. That's, oh, well, that's the best thing ever. Yeah, like, that, that just works so well in a game that's so spread out with so many interconnecting systems where you go, oh, I found this cool side quest, want to do it? And then you can teleport to them, I would assume. And maybe you could do some of those quests. I don't know about level locking and things like that, but that that's really cool. You know, something uh, big we haven't really touched on mm. is uh, you do have to level each individual job on a different character, but each job can be each role. So you could mm. be a, gosh, necromancer who is a healer or a DPS or a tank. Which is pretty is cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah, and there's also um, sort of, you have your vertical progression system, which is just the sheer leveling. Mm -hmm. And you can, you know, invest in different skill trees, weapon trees, things like that. But then when you reach a certain cap, to fitty, to try to remember. When you when, reach a certain level cap, what's noticed lower than that? What is oh, it? Uh, 50. 50. 50 is where you start getting your champion points, right? Is yes. that where you're going to? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you start getting champion points, which are like, they're account-wide um, buffs to any and all characters that you make after that. So, uh, you know, you can buff up certain things. Like, if you love PvP, you know, there might be certain traits that are good for PvP characters okay. or healing characters or things like that. There might also just be sort of, like, general ones, like sprint speed is increased or, you know, things like that. Um, that you can then, like, you continue to level even if you're not, you know, like you know, actually getting number, like actual numbers yeah. that affect things like stats and stuff. But it does give you more incentive and eases the burden of making other characters, which is nice. <laughs> that reminds me of something. What does it remind me of? The Old Republic, your your clan or your legacy system or whatever. There's a system in the Old Republic, which is not an MMO that we have on this list. But <laughs> that's similar. It's like you make a, a, a clan or I don't even know what it is. And then all of your characters are part of it. And then the things that you've unlocked, you can share with them. I, I do like those type of systems. Uh, something uh, I think. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say something we touched on, but that <laughs> as we as we crash through Elder Scrolls and head to the next one, uh, yeah. is the cash shop in Elder Scrolls, oh, which I do want to just touch on because um, Elder Scrolls is an interesting one in that you have like two options to play it. Essentially, you can buy to play which means that you I mean, you have to buy the base game no matter what. But you can buy every single X-Pack and DLC with money and then have them unlocked forever. Or you can buy, like, the base game bundle. And then you can do um, ESO Plus, which is, like, their subscription service. Um, that then will unlock any old, like, DLC stuff for you. It'll unlock any, like, non-current expansions. Um, you can play them for as long as the subscription is active. Um, it opens up access to crafting and inventory banks, uh, which is, it's kind of a weird caveat behind that, but it does. So then you can store those because if you want to do any crafting gathering, you really need oh to. Oh my God, you do. It's yeah, a bottomless yes. pit bag that you just throw all of your mats in forever. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> the um, very nice yeah. thing about that too is if you're like, I can't pay for this anymore. It doesn't like spit your materials out. They stay in there until you use them. You can't put anything nice. new in. But it doesn't just, like, throw all your crap on the floor. That's nice of them. Yes, it's super nice. Um, so there's all of that, and then they give you, like, a monthly allotment of cash shop currency, the crowns, mm -hmm. um, that you get for each month that your subscription is active, which I actually really like. I think that's super nice. And it kind of helps soften the cash shop, but not completely, because the cash shop is incredibly active. 
it has loot boxes that have different themes that cycle. And like, I just gotta be real. When you go into that loot box, like uh, the loot crate interface, it is straight up gambling marketing. Like, I'm just gonna be completely real. Like the guys there are like, oh, you're just going to quit now, are you? Keep going, you might find out what's going to happen. And you're like, I see you. <laughs> don't think I don't. <laughs> like, um, and like the rewards, like if you get duplicates or things like to trade back for like things that you've gotten 50 of in those crates, cause you want a higher level. It's like next to nothing. It's so hard. I factored out at one point how much money it would cost me to get a mount that I really wanted, roughly, RNG-wise. And it was going to cost me, based off of the luck and everything that I'd had so far, close to 300 real dollars on rolls in <sighs> order to get this thing if it didn't drop. Like, it's insane. The houses Ugh. that you can buy from the cash shop also hundreds cost of dollars. Oh my God. hundreds of real dollars. Like, uh, the big mansions are upwards of 100 real dollars to buy mm -hmm. them from the, from the board. Um, so it, it, it is, the crown shop is probably my biggest issue with this game, especially because they already have buy to play subscription and all sorts of other revenue sources. Um, it's, it's rough. I, they, you know <laughs> go ahead. Okay. Uh, okay. So as I was, as we were talking about this, I was like, let me log in. So I guess I have 510 crowns. I yeah. You, why. I think you, I think you get that just for existing. Right, and it's they're like, like they're like, hey, Wait, welcome uh, to the game. Look at this system for buying stuff we have. You can have a couple for free, and you could buy something, and you get addicted. It's like last login, you know, two thousand thirteen or something. I'm like, oh yeah, right, yeah, probably. <laughs> the like the only thing I can say uh, about the subscription and cash shop like hand in hand is that you're basically if you. Get the subscription, you're basically paying for crowns, and then you also get other stuff. So if you're planning on spending any crowns ever at all, the subscription's pretty good. Um, but yeah, if you actually factor out how much stuff costs, it's a little nutty. Um, they had a sale on crowns and also a sale on uh, the NPCs, you can, you can literally buy a vendor NPC to walk around behind you. So when you get full of crap, you're just like, here you go. Turn okay. Go back yeah. to what you're doing. You don't have to go back to town or anything. But while that uh, vendor NPC and the crowns were on sale, he was twenty bucks. Cause I thought about it. Oh, did I think about it? <laughs> mm -hmm. But I was like, I'm not spending twenty dollars on this digital thing for a game that I don't even consider my main MMO. Mm -hmm. Granted, I think I used my plus crowns, but I did get Fizz as the merchant. Cause I mean, he's a cat. It's so cute, cute little cat. He sell you stuff. I, I freaking. I, I'm sitting. I'm sitting on my crowns because I want. I have enough to buy a big mansion. The next time a big mansion rolls around that I want, I'm. I'm just gonna be like, oh, this money that I've been hoarding. Here you go. But yeah. It, and they do give you like usually once a year or so. There's some kind of event where if you participate in it, you do get a mansion or house for free. Yes. Um, you can you get apartments unlocked in the game for free. There's some that you can buy with in-game currency. Most are unfortunately like crown stuff. Most of the, like really mm. cool ones or crown ones. Right. Um, They're like yeah, limited it, limited time ones or crown ones. Yes. It's tough. Like, 
um, because it is so cool. And then like even some of the furnishing sets, like you want a really cool set of furnishing uh, items. You get like 10 uh, items, but you are paying like real hard cash for them. And you and, can't like, nothing. build them. You can't like craft the a lot of the items either. You have to buy yeah. them with crowns. If you want this specific pretty thing, you have to buy it. There's no other way to get it, but yeah. just roll them really unfortunate and it does kind of put a weird greedy edge to the game that i really wish didn't exist um i mean i do still play it but i always give that caveat to people because like i myself have spent more money on it than i wanted to um because you know i was just like oh man i really do love this thing and because stuff like the housing is so cool and you can even now like program routes for npcs in your house so like you can have a pet that paces around and then curls up in front of your fireplace or like you know somebody who walks past the stables and looks like they're tending it like it's so cool and there are ways to not spend a ton of money um but it you just have to be careful about it because there is definitely a drive for like monetary sales right. in the game just remember that thing is digital and in 10 years you won't have it anymore if if you're not willing to be like yeah okay that's fine then don't get it don't get it um i think we should touch really quickly on the market board and then do like a sum up of this and move on yeah so yeah. the market board is terrible it's not a market board uh it's 5000 different npcs uh that guilds have to set up it costs them money to do it so it usually costs the members of the guild money that they have to like donate to their guilds and then people have to fight for spots in the world uh, and then you, except for the fact that there is a, uh, an online board that keeps track of all these things, you have no idea what's on all of these NPCs. Mm -hmm. And if you want a good deal, you have to search for it. It's pain in the ass. It's dumb. I wish they would stop it. It's realistic, but it's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's cool. It's cool in theory, you know, like, but it, it is so stressful. Like um behind the you scenes, can like the even in real life you can call a store and be like hey do you have this how much is that and compare prices yeah. you can't do yeah. that in guild or in uh yes so it's like if you're in a guild that is a like you know that has sales and stuff right and all guilds can sell it's just that if you don't have a physical storefront in the world that you bid on once a week um then other people outside of your guild can't come there to buy right so like if you're in a guild you can just go and see what's for sale in your guild and buy it and trade it but otherwise, you have to go physically to each of these different places and arrange sales. Um, if you're in a trading guild that is a trading guild, like Zen said, you have to usually pay a weekly fee to be competitive in the bidding process in order to maintain a spot or get a good spot, which will be more expensive. It's like, I love it for RP purposes. I think it's neat. But practically, it is so obnoxious for players. It sounds like Immersion, the MMO, and all of the yeah. pros and cons of it. Yeah, kind of. Um, so I guess what I want to say to sum up uh, the differences and similarities between uh, ESO and 14 is uh, there are a lot of differences. Um, it's almost to the point where one of them has the strengths that the other one is missing. And I think that a lot of the strengths that you find in ESO are like Charles said, the, the immersion stuff, the little mini side games, the way you can upgrade jobs, uh, housing, housing, uh, whereas... <laughs> 14 is a much more cohesive game that has a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of more quality of life stuff and better in-game content. Yeah, I would say that's that's pretty fair. I think ESO's maps, open world exploration and questing are incredibly good. I think if you're a player who likes more freedom, you like to be able to kind of go out and set your own adventure. ESO definitely offers that. 
I think that overall 14 is a more directed, like you said, cohesive kind of um, driven experience, right? Mm -hmm. um, and where you, exactly like what you said, where it shines, I think ESO sometimes stumbles, like really, you know, the really good endgame content, the really precise mechanical stuff, the really cohesive and well-tuned classes, like all of those things I think ESO struggles with. Um, but you know, it, it's it's sort of a trade-off in both of their design mentalities, I think. But each one offers a little bit of something different. Yeah, it, it reminds me of, and you know, ESO is no sandbox, but it reminds me of the sandbox versus the theme park. You know, like more breadth of content versus more depth, but kind of a little bit in between. It it you know, it's it's we're talking about active MMOs right now, and. Uh, there are, I mean, there are a few sandboxes still around, but there are not very many that are very popular. So they, they just kind of faded out. Yeah. We have seen a lot of MMO death. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, I'm thinking Guild Wars 2 next. Yeah. Uh, there's yeah, a lot of. Asked for. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of overlap there. So let's just stick to the, the things that stand out specifically for that one, I think. Uh, I think. Yeah. You're the most uh, recently played in depth rook, so if you want to yeah, take definitely. a look. Hey, I'm an arena net partner. I love Guild Wars. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, um, Guild Wars 2, it's interesting because it is one of the bigger MMOs right now, but it's also not quite like the other big MMOs. Um, it comes from the history of Guild Wars 1, which was very much like it was doing its own thing. Mm. You know what I mean? It was an RPG that allowed you to like essentially co-op with some MMO capabilities. Um, and it had a really strong fantasy narrative. And Guild Wars 2 has continued that tradition while expanding more of the MMO components in a way that's very similar to ESO, I'll say. A lot of times I recommend both hand in hand. Like if somebody really loves ESO, try Guild Wars 2, vice versa. Because Guild Wars 2 also has very active real-time combat. It has dodge rolls, it has um, customizable builds, skills, it has a dynamic, expansive world that you can explore and that adjusts to some degree to your level. Um, it is more open and set your own sort of pace while still having a strong, driven, linear narrative. And that is something that has really shown, especially in recent years. Like, the core game, like any game, is the weakest part. Mm -hmm. But, like, over the course of the development of the game, I think they have managed to like bring in that element from Final Fantasy XIV that's so amazing, that driven long-term narrative, but also to incorporate more of these kind of freedom of exploration things in. Um, and the fact that it is sort of a, an MMO that isn't necessarily backed by one of these mega corporate, you know, like Square right. Enix, Blizzard, like it is its own thing. ArenaNet does a great job with it, um, but it still stands up there and it is completely, well, it's as close to free to play as you can get right. while still delivering good content. Like there's no subscription ever. Both of the uh, X packs are bundled together for 30 bucks. They're on sale for 15 right now. And the whole base game is free. So yeah. it's like, it is, it's interesting. Uh, and it, it does do some, some interesting things that I think are worth mentioning, but um, it does share a lot of overlap with kind of ESO's, I think overall design kind of mentality. Oh my I, goodness. I, I love Guild Wars. I, I love Guild Wars too. <laughs> Um, like I, I played in the beta of that one as well. I, I don't know why I'm always in these betas. I must be on a list somewhere, but I will play all of them. <laughs> um, and you know, I played it as it came out and I love the combat in Guild Wars. Absolutely. Like the weapon switching that we talked about before. I think it, you're right. It is not clunky in Guild Wars. Yeah. Yeah. It like I guess I, so I didn't even fun. think about it, but yeah, it absolutely right. is. And I probably didn't think about it because it doesn't pain me. It doesn't pain me. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. It's it, not it actually, uh go ahead. It's a really big part of builds, you know, mm -hmm. like from what I played in the vanilla game because I played the vanilla game and got just about everything I could minus a legendary because I just didn't feel like doing that grind. I just did not feel like doing it. But yeah, it, it was a lot of like that action combat is great. Um and yeah, like you're saying, there's just that that story. Um, you know, I, I, I think I got through the first part of the living story right after the launch, and it was so good. I think uh, the thing that I always gush about about Guild Wars, you'd mm -hmm. think you would be that die system because it is oh, real good. We have to talk about oh, that. Real good. Definitely. But the thing, I, the thing I actually always gush about uh, are the maps. The maps yes. in this game are gorgeous. They are detailed. You can just, like, get lost, looking around, finding all these tiny little Easter eggs that they've hidden everywhere. If if you like exploring, just get this game to explore. Like, you don't even need to play the rest of the game. I love that about this game. It's I wish every MMO had maps like this game. They're so good. They're <laughs> so, so good. Fun. And they uh, have so many different levels. Like, yes. that's the thing. I made some notes here about it because, like, there's so much. And, like... I think maybe one of the weaknesses of the game is that when you get into it, you don't always know exactly what this right. game is going to offer you, right? And as you play it and you talk to the community, you start figuring it out, kind of similar to Warframe, in which both, I think, yeah. they've evolved as they have had releases. So going into it, you don't always know. But, like, map exploration, by the time you're really, like, getting into it, like, I mean, there's specific really good rewards, first and foremost, for completing map exploration, which is really neat. Mm -hmm. um, secondly, there are collections that are unique to them, um, different items, lore bits, all sorts of things, books, journals, all these things. There are achievements, some of which are really fun and ridiculous. Yeah. Like, there are these um, diving goggles. Yeah. Yes! Where if you get to them, you can do, like... They're hard because there's also jump puzzles in the game. So like if you jump your way up and you find the thing and you put on the goggles, then you have to land, like you have to dive miles down and then you land in this little tiny pool that you'll yeah. probably die 50 times trying to hit. And like, if you do a bunch of them, you unlock special stuff and it's super fun. And like the achievements are really comprehensive and wild. You can collect cats and like some of them are frozen <laughs> in ice and some of them, like there's these different things you have to do to feed to them and then they'll show up in your home instance. Um, and then there's more serious ones, combat ones, challenge mm -hmm. ones, you know, all sorts of things. Um, there are also world bosses that pop up on these maps. And the two things I really want to talk about with maps that I think are so cool are the world bosses and the map metas. Yes. Because um, they kind of go hand in hand sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like, world bosses can be an individual thing that pops, and they are epic. Like, it makes it makes the game stutter. I'm just going to be oh, real. Yeah. But at the same time, I would never want them to compromise them. Because when you go into an MMO and you think to yourself, I want an epic fight alongside hundreds of other people. Like, that's what they decided to do. And whether it's an enormous skeletal dragon that is bigger than the nearby mountain that rises up and lightning is bursting down yeah. all around. Like, it's so fun. And the world bosses have their own unique rewards. They even have rewards if you, like, kill them so many times as a guild. They have all sorts mm -hmm. of different things. Um, and with the map metas, they are, like, sequences of culminating events. So, like, it's the overarching meta story of the map, right? And some of them can be a little bit smaller scale. Some of them are huge, like Dragon Stand, which is one of my absolute favorites. Mm -hmm. And um, the events that you do can be pretty complex, like to the point where there are things called commander tags in game that you have to work for mm -hmm. and earn. And as you learn these metas, you will then 
put them on so that everybody in the map can see them. And then you split your efforts to try to execute and succeed at the map meta. So some of them will call for different things. Like you got to split into three groups and you got to tackle these different things. You got to get this stronghold. You got to protect this thing. You got to go over here. Like there's all sorts of stuff. And as you sort of go through those events, it will eventually culminate in some sort of mega fight. And that like fight is similar to a world boss and you may or may not have different tactics. There's one where you like burn three worms simultaneously, but these worms mm. all have slightly different mechanics. There's one where like, it's super neat. Yeah, <laughs> I would die for something like this in Final Fantasy. It puts fates and critical engagements to shame, to absolute shame. I mean, it's just, it, I I don't know how they could do it in fourteen. But if you are a person who likes that open world kind of content that just pops up and is is there and it's you know new and exciting the first time, but still fun the second and fiftieth time, <laughs> that's that's Guild Wars two, like honestly. Yeah. Get so excited about it. I mean, we've seen them try to do something like that yes. right? with um, the Dataki Chronicles. Comes they come to mind for me. Mm. Um, I just wish that it had more like rewards and reason to run it. Right, like a lot of these metas are considered really valid uh, gold farms. They may mm. drop certain things for crafting legendaries. They may drop mm. like they may have special schematics that drop for special gear that's unique to the map. They may have weapons or other bonus things that drop like there's so much cool stuff so people are usually um farming them you know what mm -hmm. i mean like they run them and, and coordinate them and it becomes an art kind of in and of itself so like the dataki chronicles in 14 hasn't seen quite the same amount of repetition it's cool for lore there's some cool stuff that you do get from it a little bit there's like a little banner i think or a, think so. um but we haven't seen them really make it like a thing you do as an activity on a map mm -hmm. you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. You know, and there was, you know, I was talking about ESO and the combat and the rating, and that's where I dropped off of Guild Wars 2 as well. I can't speak to it now, and that that's why I just wanted to introduce this part, because when I stopped playing, fractals were a thing, right? That was the, the new hotness. Same. I, I got to the end of that. I got my cool stuff. Uh, I played a Silvari, so I'm like, I need that backpack that has bees. I need that plant <laughs> backpack that has bees. I need it. Um, so I did all of that. And it was it was a lot of fun, but like that aspirational content is where where I need. So how's rating now? I just realized totally interruption, but Guild Wars is the only game I've ever just played a straight up human in. Right. <laughs> Humans are fun in Guild Wars. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. They are non-native inhabitants of the yeah. world. Which yeah. Is fun. <laughs> um. Yeah, endgame content is something that they didn't necessarily think they were going to do initially with Guild Wars 2's mm -hmm. release. Yeah. Um, the wasn't there. Yes. The equivalent was dungeons. Mm -hmm. Now, when I say dungeons, it's very different than what we think yeah. of from like 14 or other games. Um, these were like endgame, multi-wing, exploratory. They're dungeons, like in D&D &D sense, right? Yeah. Where there were different like wings you could go down and you would fight your way through. There's like a story mode. There it kind of wrapped up some of the culmination of story for various characters, all sorts of things, right? Um, obviously, with just the way that MMOs developed and what player base places kind of want from games, they decided to change that. So they did introduce fractals, which are very similar to like mythic scaling things, right? Mm -hmm. Where they are instanced dungeons, kind of. Um, and then they scale up, like, it, as you acquire different gear and, like, the endgame gear, you can apply this resistant stuff to them called Agony, which then allows you to do the higher levels, and some of them now also have challenge modes. And then within that, there's also a whole set of achievements that you can earn for, you know, doing various things in these different, 
you know, sort of instances, mm -hmm. which is fun. Um, and then they did introduce raids, actual raids yeah. with Heart of Thorns. Um, it's, I personally think that raiding in Guild Wars 2 is really fun. I've raided in both, and I raid every week with people in Guild Wars 2. I do think that the skill threshold of raiding in Guild Wars 2 is lower, with a caveat. Mm -hmm. um, it is more creative. Like, they test you on different things. 14 is very much about... Um, precise mechanical execution. It's a dance. You're orchestrating all the moves with everybody on the field, right? Um, and that is something that really, really plays a role. In Guild Wars 2, it's more chaotic, but different bosses present different challenges. And it's not uncommon mid-run to change a build, to change gear, to change your skills, to even swap characters to a different build that is better for this one. Um, certain ones have aggro you can control. Others may have parameters for aggro control that you just have to figure out. Like, there's a ton of stuff that makes it flexible. The diversity of difficulty also makes it so that, like, certain wings are easier for people to get started in. And then there's very much, like, a small handful of extremely difficult bosses. Mm. It's, it's not as consistent, right, in, in, like, the actual difficulty, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, which is great because it does mean that it allows new players to come in and right. you can bring people in and be like, let's just do this first boss of this wing and we're going to hit it. And like, you can kind of lead people up to it, but it is not as much of a consistent challenge um, across the board as like, you know, you kind of know the general difficulty you're going to get with certain things within Final Fantasy, right? Um, with that, there's also challenge modes. There are also additional achievements that make it even harder if you're trying to get them as a group. Um, but the biggest setback with raiding in Guild Wars 2 has been the fact that um, as they've balanced new content, I don't think they've necessarily known what they want to do fully with a release schedule. Mm. So, like, in 14, you know, like, we mm -hmm. get the this patch, this thing, it will come this amount of months, right? In Guild Wars 2, and I think this is because they aren't a subscription game, a lot of their content is more, what can we do right now? What is our allocation of this? What have we maybe not touched on in a while that we can now release with this next one? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So you wait much longer between releases for raid wings, things like that. Um, they started supplementing it with stuff called uh, strike missions, which are a mm -hmm. single boss, very much like trials in Final Fantasy XIV. That's cool. I wouldn't be surprised if they were directly drawn from trials. <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> um, um, but they, they have started to supplement that, and I think they have an eye on the future. But right. it is not as, like coalesced yeah. you know what i mean it's, it's not like, as much of a machine <laughs> yeah it's like raids in early well before like uh, structured raiding like nax ramus or on garage this is more like black rock depths and 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 you know like things like that yes. um i i do want to talk about one thing in particular with guild wars 2 and i i loved it and i i do not pvp i don't pvp i don't really like it that's gonna much. be my next thing as well World versus World is so awesome. So it was good. so much fun. I mean, like, I remember playing through it, you know, I had a group of friends, and we would just go back cap things or roll up in a fight and, and feel like we could change. Most of the time, we would just die. But, you know, roll up to a fight as a group and be like, all right, for our world, you know? Like, it's just so much fun. The maps are interesting. Um, you know, the action combat really leads itself to PvP. I mean, a lot of times, it's just They're a cluster. They're built yeah. in a way that you can go and back cap things too. Yeah, mm -hmm. That's, you can have your little group yeah. and participate in the in the grand overarching, you know, uh, kind of week long PvP yeah. match. Yeah, 
I would love to see that content in 14. Sure. Talking about. I think we can do it. Yeah. I think there's definitely a lack of like solid PvP content in 14, and there are a thousand reasons why that we won't get into, but World versus World from uh, Guild Wars would just be amazing in 14. Yeah, I, I think it could be a thing, you know? Um, and honestly, I think that it might have a chance of like engaging the player base in a way that right. maybe some of the other modes just haven't. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, ESO also has a very similar mode to World mm -hmm. vs. World, like we touched on. And um, granted, the builds and stuff like that in 14 are different. The way that those different classes play in PvP is different. Um, you don't have things like the dodge rolls. Mm -hmm. You don't have, you know, it's like there are certain things that make PvP fun. A fast, frenetic attack, yeah. counterattack is definitely part of it. And that's not necessarily what 14 always does super yeah. well, right? It's more of a scripted, you know, everything executed to perfection if you're trying to max, you know, out mm. all your potencies and stuff. But I think they could still do it and it would be really fun. Mm. Like yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I, I think it's because in, in Go Wars 2, like, all of your abilities, like, they do lead to each other, but usually it's a setup explosion, setup explosion type of thing. Mm -hmm. And in 14, it's like, there's a three-part or a four-part combo, and it's like, how would you ever do that in PvP? I mean, the tab target games just have trouble with PvP in general. Um, it's just the way it is. I miss the way it was, to be quite frank. I don't want to have to learn my job yet again. Right. <laughs> right. It is interesting that WoW, which, I mean, again, it's, it's a little different than 14, mm -hmm. but I mean, WoW is closer to 14, but PvP has been something that I think has take, has been a big thing in yeah. World of Warcraft, but that just hasn't gripped the 14 player base. There, I mean, there's a portion that plays it, don't get me wrong, and mm -hmm. there you know, are people who play it competitively. And there um, are some really good players out there. But It used yeah. to be bigger, though. Yes. Definitely was a, a bigger thing before, and I think that all these changes they made to try and make it more approachable for casual players just did nothing, and right. also made it less enjoyable for the people who were really into it. Whoops. That's a good point. I didn't even think about, like, the general decline of that. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Because, I mean, then there's me, who, like, I'll be I'll be honest, I like PvE content. I like, you know, endgame PvE content, raids, those sorts of things. Yeah. I also like casual content. I'm not usually drawn to PvP unless it's just really super fun. Or it's, like, yeah. team play style, which I usually That's like That's me. Lot. Yeah, like, so for me, when I first got into PvP in 14, and I was like... Ooh, I got to do this for that gear now. Okay. I mean, I had fun. Like, I especially like the sort of, um, like, the crystal capture and the whole day. Yeah, yeah. Like I like those ones a lot. And I like it when I get a party that's strategizing well. Because then I do, like, my brain starts going, right? Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it, it was so easy for me to get my gear and things. I was like, peace, I'm out, bye. Right. And I just never went back. Because yeah. I could sense that kind of casual energy, I guess. Right. It, to me, like, Guild Wars 2 scratches this itch that I, I haven't really felt since, like, Planet Side or Planet Side 2, which is not an MMO. Close-ish. You know, there's a big map, there's three factions, you're fighting over point. There's a lot of zeal for your side. I mean, when we used to play Planet Side 2, uh, like, we had a little APC, you know, like, personnel carrier that we would always play what we thought our team's... Uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, theme song was, which is destroy <laughs> them with lasers. Um, so we would just roll up, and you can have like 
uh, proximity audio. So when we came up, you'd hear the the song. Uh, you know, this that sort of fun hmm. macro PvP instead of micro one v one. And you know, I I can't speak for all of PvP and Guild Wars, but at least mm-hmm. in the world versus world that I did, there was little to no toxic bullcrap. Well, I. Mean Zen, I'm so glad you didn't get. I'm so glad you didn't okay. get the talk. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, they've taken steps. It was. Sure. It was a while ago. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I. I mean, I will say, I think probably the most vitriolic portion of the player base is in PvP. Well, that's um, that's kind of across the board since yeah, we're comparing. Right. <laughs> right. It's, it's calling you out, PvPers. <laughs> yeah, it, it's unfortunate because um, and and there's a lot that goes into that, right? I mean. Yeah. Guild Wars 2 from the get-go was one of the only MMOs that was actually in, that was included in the original launch of, like, competitive esports. Yep. Which is a huge thing that people forget a lot, mm-hmm. but um, it's it really did set the landscape for PvP and Guild Wars 2 to be a very competitive, skill-driven achievement. Like, so there's been a lot of, you know, there's a lot of conflict that goes around that. I mean, the, PvP is still very competitive in Guild Wars mm-hmm. 2. World versus world is still a blast, but a lot of people are looking to the future of PvP and trying to figure it out. And unfortunately, a lot of times when you do encounter some of the people who might be a little more bitter in the game, it is in PvP. Um, and I mean, it's it's kind of the nature of those competitive modes, right? Yeah. People people get frustrated. You they get, get into angry. it. You get it. Yeah. I mean, it's the same for you know, like very competitive PvE. I don't mean PvE is competitive yeah. in parallel, yeah. but raiders. It's just the same, right? But you're, you know, but you're just yelling at the content rather than people. But yeah, or you know, maybe people on your team. <laughs> <laughs> people Ooh. on your team. In the content. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, it's it is it's a thing in every MMO. But I will yes. say for Guild Wars Two as a whole, I think there is an incredibly wonderful and diverse community. And this isn't even something I put down on the notes. I but the game has done a great job in representation. Even like we have. A, a canonical lesbian couple that like yeah. kiss in the game and are right. just part of it. Like they just exist and their relationship is just a thing. Like it's not, you know, some huge lesson on LGBTQI. Like, and like I am LGBT. I mean, we have, we talked about this in our, you know, Pride episode mm-hmm. and stuff, but it's like, it's so nice. It's just integrated into the world. And they also have very diverse regions. They have very diverse people, very diverse CC options, color, like uh, skin options for, you know, color of skin and all sorts of things. So there is a big push in the game and in the community to be a friendly and welcoming space. So that's kind of the balance to the PvP salt, I would say. Like, it is a very welcoming game, and I found that there is a lot of crossover between 14 players and Guild Wars 2 players, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, And that ArenaNet itself is very, like, they're always very conscious. They've been doing a bunch of mental health initiatives in-game. This year, they raise month, uh, every year this month, they raise uh, money for Extra Life. Like... They're a very conscious company, which is also kind of nice to see, honestly. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why I will buy every expansion. I own the expansions because I'm like, yeah, you know, one day I'll roll back to it. And I also really enjoy ArenaNet as a company, just the way that they've handled Guild Wars 2. Because the launch at the time was one of the best launches I've experienced, minus, okay, like the market boards did not work. For a while. Oh a yeah, that was so funny. Logging, sitting there for a long time, going, "Hey, yeah. we'll, we'll fix it soon." But everything else worked so well. I mean, that that's one of the things that I remember the most about the launch period is just how well they handled it, how well it worked to start. Like you could go all the way to max level and you would feel no nothing. It was such a great 
you know, cohesive story and game. So, you know, I'm always rooting for him. I mentioned earlier how much I love the maps. Uh, mm-hmm. But I didn't mention that that even extends into the cities. Uh, I did a little yes. bit of, of role-playing in uh, Guild Wars 2. And uh, you can get on everything. You can jump on all the buildings, yeah. every building. Anything that looks like you should be able to stand on it, you can. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe you can't get there easily, but you know what? You have a bunch of different runny, jumpy, rolly, sprinty, flyy abilities. Flighty things. Yes. Yeah. Well, when I was playing, they didn't have that. But, yeah, I know. But it was super fun to play a spy because you could actually spy on people. <laughs> <laughs> you, could get, you could get anywhere. Yeah, so that's fun. Uh, yeah, I wanted to I wanted to tack that onto my map thing, and then I also mentioned dice earlier. Uh, I'm just gonna think it worst you as the best dice system. It's just the best, the best dice system. End, end. Um, every piece of clothing has a couple of different uh, die slots, like up to like four or five sometimes, right? Uh, and you can dye each different part of the clothing. So the, the dye slots is like the trim on this outfit, the main actual part of this outfit, the lace on this outfit, the buttons on this outfit. So you can dye all the different individual crap on the stuff you're wearing. And it's amazing. And every single, every single game needs to just straight up copy them. Just be like, here's a million dollars. Thank you for your script. Goodbye. It's so true though. And again, just like ESO, it's all uh, account wide stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So like your wardrobe, um, if you've if you've gotten something in game, you've like opened up the unidentified gear, you have uh, broken it down or like chosen to unlock the appearance, it will automatically go into your uh, wardrobe, your look catalog. Um, oh, and they also oh. have separate. And the ties, you don't like you have to get it one time, and some of them are very difficult to get. But once you get it, it's in a catalog, and you just yes. pick from there forever. You don't need five thousand different turquoise blues so that you can use that later on. Yes, and you can just apply them on the fly at any time. It's so good. And those dies can be like achievement rewards. They can be even birthday rewards because you get like a special yep. gift each year. Like there's all sorts of stuff. They can be things that you crafted. They can be things that you like, and they do. They just unlock and then they're there forever. So good. So it's good. so good. <laughs> yeah, Guild Wars 2 to me seems like, I mean, they. it's so cosmopolitan. I, I think that's the word that I want to use as far as MMOs are concerned. It's just forward thinking, um, even at the beginning of it. Now, you know, there's some things that aren't the best, like we talked about, you know, like rating and, and, and things. It's different. Um, but yeah, I, I love Guild Wars too. I just don't play it as much. For, okay. Oh, say really, really quick. Yeah, yeah do, it do it up. I want to mention. These two go hand in hand, the mastery mm-hmm. system and mounts, because mounts yes. are technically a mastery. So kind of like how we talked about in ESO, the idea of there being horizontal progression after you've actually leveled, which is, again, something I think would be super fun in Final Fantasy. Yes. Um, they they have this system that they implemented called uh, mastery points, right? So as you go through those old maps, zones, whatever, right, and you do the events on them, you do the hearts on them, you do anything on them, you like you do the metas, you fight the bosses, you do whatever, you get experience that are experience that is like tied to those different portions of the game right so like you have heart of thorns masteries you have path of fire masteries um and then as you go through those maps you uncover these things called mastery points sometimes they are just a place that you go to you meditate you get a mastery um sometimes it's like a secret achievement that's on that map and then when you trigger it you get the mastery or like achievements you can work towards or all sorts of stuff so when you have leveled up your experience and you fill that bar 
you can then choose to allocate mastery points to one of the masteries. And these masteries all have different tiers of stuff, and all of the masteries are, again, account-wide. So they affect mm -hmm. all characters forever. Um, and these can be very simple things, like uh, you unlock auto-loot, so you never have to ever choose to hit a thing again. If you want, you can enable it, so you can just loot everything in the field if you're doing, like, the big farms or stuff like mm -hmm. that, right? Um, they can also be things like you unlock special mobilities on maps, like a little mushroom cap that lets you jump up. Or maybe there's parts of maps that like are covered in toxin or stuff like that. So by getting to know these like this people on the map, you develop toxin resistance and you have put your mastery points into that and now you don't take ongoing damage when you're in those like poison zones. But one of the things that they introduced into this were mounts. Gliders came with Heart of Thorns, which are great. Mm -hmm. But mounts um, are very different in Guild Wars 2 than in other MMOs, and I wanted to mention them because of oh, that. Sure, yeah. yeah. Um, they have scaling upgradable abilities, and every single mount has its own unique mobility that makes it viable in the game. And they've done a really good job, I think, of actually like balancing them so that they don't feel like one has just completely destroyed all the others, right? <laughs> so like, for example, you have like a raptor mount, which is the first one that you get, and it can do um, horizontal leaps. It also has the fastest base running speed just on its feet, doing little feety mm -hmm. runs. Um, but it can do horizontal leaps and you can upgrade like the range of those and all sorts of stuff. Um, and then there's like the jackal, which has a teleportation thing that it can do where it'll teleport. <laughs> and you can take sand portals around various maps and they even have like sand portal puzzles that you can do with the jackal mount where you like Neat. teleport through and you can uncover chests. Um, there's the roller beetle, which is like drift racing, and you you drift and you have to like master it. And they have racing tracks for it, where you can get special items, cosmetics, and like rewards. Um, there, I mean, there's just a ton of them. And then there are flying mounts, the griffin, which has a sort of like you can dive and then build up speed and then use that, or you can glide. And then there's the sky scale, which is like a helicopter that ascends vertically and then can hover. So you can just sit there above stuff, or you can you know do whatever. Um, but all of them have their own, like, different skins and things. Um, unfortunately, as of right now, most of those skins you do need to buy in the gem store, but mm -hmm. you can convert in-game currency to the gem store currency, which is great. Um, but, like, they have all opened up the possibilities for map design in Guild Wars 2 in a way that I have yet to see in any other MMO. You have maps that have crazy, like a thing that's so high and you're like, I don't even, how am I supposed to? And so you're trying to use your Springer mount to get onto a thing and then jump onto, and yeah. then you fly off of this and then you get up to a whole new portion of the map or you uncover a secret cave because you can smash through it on your roller beetle. Um, it's so neat. That does sound and cool. Like in most other MMOs, a mount is just a form to make it easier to get around maps. In Guild Wars 2, they have made it an open door for the possibilities of map design and how they can push dynamic environments for players. It's so neat. They couldn't do it in 14. <laughs> it wouldn't, ha you know what no. I mean? But like, I mean, maybe if there was, you know, rather than just the Falconeers, like there was some kind of special mount you could get on a map and then use, or you could like pick up from somebody and it would let you interact or discover secret areas. That'd be kind of neat. I, I don't know, but it's just a, an interesting detail. Sorry, yeah. this is a long ramble, but no, it's a really it's cool feature. <laughs> no, I didn't know about it because I, I don't believe. Yeah, there were not, There was nothing in the uh, vanilla game for mounts at all. Mastery, I don't, I don't think mastery was a thing until Heart of Thorns, was it? Like, yeah, Heart of yeah. Thorns was mastery and gliding. Yeah. Path of Fire was mounts. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, okay. I only knew about it because uh, my mother-in-law plays Guild Wars too. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's amazing. Yeah. 
She thinks it's so great. She thinks the mouths <laughs> are the cutest thing ever. And they're so cool. <laughs> I mean, they are. And their yeah. idle animations are adorable. <laughs> like, so, they're so cute. We've, we've been very, very high on Guild Wars 2. And that's, that's a takeaway to you know, take away yeah. from this. Talk about it. We but, didn't even talk yeah. about jumping puzzles. Yeah, well, you know, like jumping puzzles and they're so and good. The Halloween and they, jumping puzzles. And the, oh that my I do god! Every year. Oh my god! I that, do it every, and the, I and the game, the game, the thing that I really appreciate about this is they have jumping puzzles and they design jumping in the game so that you could actually do the jumping puzzles. Right. Whereas in fourteen, we have jumping puzzles, but they are pain in the ass because <laughs> the way we jump is stupid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are definitely. There are definitely cons to Guild Wars yes. here. I mean, let's be honest. Like, it, it is probably one of the buggier MMOs that I play. Mm -hmm. Like, I'll be straight up about that. There, especially some of the old story instances and things, it's cool because you can take a group of people in. So, like, you can play through the whole story together. Uh, you're not sequestered off in, like, a solo duty instance. You just go in and fight the thing together. And the game is kind of balanced sometimes even, where, of course, you can do it by yourself. And sometimes there's even special achievements for that. But, like having people with you is really fun and the fights kind of scale and adjust with you which is neat yeah, um, yeah, yeah but it's buggy like sometimes there are bugs that make a whole instance nullified and you just you have you have to completely leave and then come back in sometimes there are bugs in the raids where a telegraph just does not appear <laughs> it's just it's not there it doesn't exist it never <laughs> happened and you all died like oh. It has issues like that, and they do what they can to address them, but like especially some of the older content does have bugs that you're going to encounter, and um, I think just because of their income and, and things mm. like that and their development cycles, they don't always, they're not always able to go back to do. There's mm. also no housing. There, is, there are guild halls, which have custom, they're customizable, and they have a cool quest that you do to unlock them and take them, and you can put all sorts of furnishings and all kinds of really cool stuff in them and stuff to boost or buff your guild and people can do all sorts of things. But there's no like actual house for you. There's a housing instance for players, but it's not customizable beyond like just some nodes and stuff that you can acquire. Um, it's not like housing, like we think of it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the one thing that does drive me nuts as a raider, and I'm gonna be real, is that there is not actual fixed targeting in Guild Wars 2. Now, there is a way you can set like a priority target, but there is not like a target lock. Like in Final Fantasy XIV, mm. like how yeah. there's a boss and you lock them and you can see its cast bar and you like, no matter what you hit this button, you go back to that boy, you do that thing. Like it is unfortunate because it makes me hate DPSing in Guild Wars 2. Lots of people love it. Lots of people DPS. Don't let me be the end all be all. But I couldn't because after the 10th time of like me trying to do my actual, you know, like peak of my damage rotation, realizing that it had locked on to something across the arena halfway through me turning my camera and the entire burst damage was not on the boss. I was like, I'm done. Do <laughs> <laughs> it's over. Huh. So like those are my sort of weaknesses. Right. Did I uh, interrupt your chain of thought earlier, Charles? Uh, I don't believe so. Okay. I don't think so. But I was like, guys, jumping puzzles. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Uh, I, I just wanted to talk about some of the things that weren't as good because, you know, we're really, really high on Guild Wars 2. And there yeah, are yeah. things, and it's mostly due to how it's developed, right? The the team is, is much smaller, much less money than any of these other teams we've talked about. Oh. So, 
I just wanted to, to get that out there because I, I wanted to be fair because gotcha, there gotcha, are gotcha. problems, of we, course. But we did definitely just say, this is good and this is good and this is good. There's so much good that can be like, I think should be in every game going forward. Yeah. Honestly. It's, like, it's a lot of good stuff. stuff, but I feel like it's a much more limited a game than 14. Sure. And, and I say this as somebody who hasn't played in quite a while, so I could be wrong. Right. It's, I would say rather than limited, I mean, I think they both have a lot to do, but I think that 14 is more reliable, if okay. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Guild Wars 2 is more likely to surprise you. Like yeah. something might happen that you're like, what? This completely changed what I thought I knew about this game. But that comes with a trade-off of like we were saying, slightly inconsistent. I mean, they've been doing really well the past mm-hmm. couple years with their patch pacing. Like they've been doing really well but you don't always know what is coming out if your favorite content is going to be out this year, Mm. (laughs) next year. Like, they seem to be much more on the fly with, like, trying to realize what they can when they can, but the story releases are very consistent, and they've, like, the story is a really good backbone. You just, what you get around that, you're not always 100% sure of. Whereas with 14, like, you know, like, you know what you're getting, you know the quality of it, maybe they shake up the formula sometimes, but they aren't always pushing the envelope as much, Mm -hmm. but you are much more likely to have a reliable kind of, like, driven experience of exactly what you can expect, when you can expect it, you know? Hmm. but I think I've seen, I, I feel like I've seen Guild Wars 2 learning a lot from Final Fantasy. Right. In, and they have a new X-Pack on the horizon. And even mm-hmm. some of the stuff. That Is it Shadow something also? It's not. It's not. <laughs> if only. If only. Uh, but I, I'm curious to see what they do pilfering from 14. Right. I mean, Excellent. They're, they're doing their own thing. You know what I mean? But it's I fair. Least... I'm sure they all talk to each other like, hey. Oh, yeah. You mind if I steal this thing over here? Yeah. The video game industry has to be iterative. You have to learn from what Mm -hmm. came before because, you know, limitations of previous, you know, like, I mean, we couldn't do these things in the PS2 era. Now we can in PS3, PS4, PS5. Like, you have to be pushing that envelope and they do it Mm -hmm. very well. Doesn't always work at exactly when you would want it to happen. (laughs) It's not always not buggy, but they're constantly pushing. Yeah. So, uh, go ahead. Oh, all I was going to say is this is why I think talking about MMOs in comparison to one another is, like, really important. Because, like, we even talked about with World of Warcraft, there's so much that they borrow from each other. Mm-hmm. And there are ways that certain companies are realizing things that I don't think are unrealistic to hope for or see in something like Final Fantasy XIV. And, like, no matter what games you're playing, um, it's really cool sometimes just to sample other ones and just see what they're doing in the genre because it's very likely that at some point somebody's going to be like, wait, did you see how this worked? It was really successful. How about we do this? What if we take, you know... It's, it's yep. just kind of a trickle-down effect. You know they're right. doing that at the development table. Everybody's sitting around being like, hey, you know what, over here? Yeah. I mean, not playing MMOs when you're making an MMO in, uh, ends up in 1.0. Just saying. Oh. That, this, is, this is the thing about Called out. Called that out. That drove me insane. It was one of the things that made me stop playing. I mean, the fatigue system made me stop playing oh, because yuck. it was so dumb. But it was a badge of honor that they hadn't played other MMOs. Like, that was said in, in an interview. Like, we don't play it because we don't want to get, you know, we don't want to cross-contaminate. We want to do our own thing. And it's like, that's cool, but you've never made it. I mean, you have That's a bad it, idea. Like <laughs> How do you do that? That yeah. doesn't make any sense. And when Yoshi P came in, being an MMO player himself, 
he brought in so much that just makes sense. Mm-hmm. Aldino, I didn't know that about yes. 1.0. Holy cow, you like threw the glove down. You're so right though. You're so right. I mean, players expect certain things from the genre and of course you can subvert that. Of course you should be pushing the boundaries. But when it comes down to it, like there are certain needs that have to be addressed in an MMO and a player base that are different from like a single player release. Oh, what a terrible disaster. <laughs> you know, we don't have to compare 2.0 and further to 1.0. Let's never no, do that. No, no, no. Let's just not. This one is good. <laughs> this one is bad. Done. I mean, you know. It, in a word, Nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> Nightmare. <laughs> so speaking oh. of what, what came before, oh, I think boy. we should uh, do a little bit of comparing green apples with red apples. Uh-huh. Uh, Final Fantasy XI. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Talk about it a little bit. Just get a little love. Um, obviously, uh, they're, they're not the same graphics-wise, but skin-wise, like, the content that is there is real similar. It's almost the same. The uh, the ideas in, in zones are very similar. The races are exactly alike. Um, down to, like, the cities, very, very similar. Mm-hmm. In location, uh, obviously, uh, things like chocobos and moogles, those all over the place. So, like, we can just, that's done. Um, other than those things, though, I feel like these games are actually pretty different. Um, the first thing that yes. came to mind for me was XP loss. I hated that about 11 so much. My God. Uh, and, like, everything, every time you died, you lost XP. And everything you did killed you. So you're, you're constantly, constantly having to not only do your end game content, but also go and do a little bit of leveling so that you could still do that end game content. It was nuts. Yeah. Just imagine how many times you wipe in 14 and eventually you would level back oh down to max level and then have to go back out, yeah. level back up, go back into the that, like, that face, game. that face you made yeah. big, long blink, painful, yucky. I'm, oh my God. Can you imagine like nobody would raid? No, I, I mean, people, people did. People life. would. And we would have things like re-raise. Like, if you went to Dynamis, for example, you were pretty much required to have items that gave you re-raise so that mm-hmm. healers didn't have to worry about you, but you could also get yourself up. Yeah, and cause... that costs money. Oh, my gosh. What a gill sink just raiding in that game was. It was real rough. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. I mean, to get into Dynamis, what, what, was it a million? Was it more than a million? I think it was a million. You just had to, to like to give a point Every in time. in the snow or wherever. Just a million. Here's your million gill, and then they gave you an item. Uh, an hourglass. Yes, I'm yeah. like it's some kind of hourglass. I don't remember. I I did way too much dynamis, so the fact that I, I don't yeah. don't remember is like what. But yes, uh, they gave you an item and you like split it and traded and split it and traded and you took everybody in and unless you left somebody outside with an hourglass, once everybody was in, that was it. And you had a timer, and you had to beat points in the the timing thing to extend the thing. So that's that's probably the first thing that we've mentioned that's very similar to uh, what is it, Castrum uh, and Baldacia Arsenal. You had to do mm-hmm. things to exp- expand the time. That's like the first yeah. thing. Um, and that was everything in fourteen took a lot of time. Uh, prep, oh, yeah. actually doing it. Um, you mean? Do you mean in eleven? Yeah, eleven. Oh yeah, sorry. Everything in eleven took a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
making sure that you weren't going to level down, making sure you had all the items you needed, going and getting probably the item you needed to spawn the thing. There was a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of waiting around. Just a crap ton of waiting around. Yeah. Uh, if you... If you wanted certain pop items, you had to wait for them usually. If you wanted certain weapons or gear pieces that were pretty much required because they were best in slot, you had to wait hours and hours and hours. And you were probably mm -hmm. camping against other people. So you could get it. You could, it would spawn. Somebody else could get it. It could spawn. You could get it, kill it, and not get the thing. <laughs> it's oh. just... It's so old. It is It is in that EverQuest 2... Yeah. I think EverQuest, actually. EVE Online, actually. EVE Online predates WoW, if I remember correctly, because I remember lusting over it before WoW came out. Because um, I didn't have a computer that could play it. But yeah, 11 is just a, a window to another time in MMO development. I think, I think to, to be fair, it's it's updated since then. Certain yeah, things, certainly. like the stuff, the stuff we've mentioned, I think is still the same, but like leveling used to take forever. You had to get a uh, party, what, six people? Go out to a random place uh, and just kill mobs over and over and over and over and over again for hours and hours. And hours. And that's how you that's how you leveled. But but that at the time that was that was normal for MMOs. That was the yep. grind to level in an MMO. So nobody really questioned it, right? But it took a long time. Mm -hmm. That's what I was gonna ask. If you felt like at the time you were like upset that you had to do like, did you feel no. as though it was worth it? Yeah. I, I felt as though it was worth it. Um, there's there's but, definitely uh, a bit of community in it and actually like uh, when I was leveling, most of my majority leveling in 11, I was living with three other people who were playing the game at the same time. Mm -hmm. So we would, the four of us would get in a party, find two people and go out. So that wasn't too difficult, except mm -hmm. if we uh, disconnected, because then those two people were going to die. <laughs> yeah, because disappeared. Everyone. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was fun. I mean, it was, the difficulty made some things a badge of honor to have yeah. that meant you went through the thing that everyone knows sucks right but that was kind of to be you know your chosen uh class you know or job if you didn't have that hey what are you doing like yeah. what, what are you doing why don't you have treasure hunter 3 and that's what? that's actually the reason uh my husband stopped playing the game because he's like i don't have this thing i don't have time to get this right. thing and people aren't gonna take me because i don't have an emperor's hairpin i'm done with right. this game right it's so funny to me that for this game, I mean, being really 11, being an MMO mm -hmm. that obviously came from, like we were saying, the older generation of MMOs. Yep. The old here, right? school. Um, it is amazing to me how many people still, and we talked about this a little bit before we even went live today, how many people still compare these two actively? Like, right. how many people will still use 11 in discussions relating to 14? Um, thinking about you talking about classes or like these little things that you need, multi-classing is one that I hear constantly just constantly mm -hmm. people oh, yeah. were like oh i wish they'd bring multi-classing back no. to 14 i hate that they don't have multi-classing no. oh you know like this class was so fun to play back when you could also pair it with x y or z mm -hmm. and like hearing people talk about certain classes i i continuously hear this thing as well that kind of goes like hand in hand that's like the well but if you were playing x you had to take y yes. you had to have had this to, you yes. were this mm -hmm. that was the only thing that you did you were not allowed to do anything else so it's funny to me that people still hold to that system so dearly and i'm curious what you think like some of the like why people loved it so much versus like what the drawbacks of it were this i mean i 
I can remember just just to, to start. I can remember some of those combinations, right? So you know, it was like subbing warrior, right? For a lot of things, gave you dual wield, I believe, right? Subbing warrior gave you dual wield, I think. I, I'm pretty sure it did. So it was like Dark Knight Warrior, you do it. Um, you know, things like that. That's why people really enjoyed it, because it would give you these, like, really foundational changes. Or it would just give you more MP. Yeah. You know, like, subbing Summoner is like, I just want MP. I just need more MP for my main job. Please just give me that. I think um, maybe what some people, at least for me specifically, mm -hmm. like, when I think back to having those sub jobs like yeah that was that was cool to be able to switch it around depending on what, what you were doing but i don't mind not having it now because it was also kind of a pain in the butt to have to level up all those different yes. things but um the kind of cool thing about these individual jobs was you would have probably especially in a big like link shell group that's going to kill a notorious monster or do some large end game event you would have the majority in your your required thing but you might have a couple people who are like off jobs like you'd have black mage red mage times seven and then maybe one black mage white mage because you never know when you're going to need that extra razor cure or whatever right um so the thing that i miss the most about 11 versus 14 is being in a situation where everything has gone to shit and People, because of these like sub job things or a little other extra stuff they have, are able to slowly raise people or mm. so, so and so paladin over here just happens to have their two hour up and they hold the boss long enough for people to get up and you can recover these impossible looking situations and the feeling of just absolute satisfaction you get right. from fixing something that was screwed up. is amazing yeah. in that game. And it Absolutely was amazing. That sort of have that sort of moment of glory to yeah. steal from like my favorite wow youtuber he, he has this thing about moments of glory um like that's what you want from a class you want like oh you know i can raise so oh, i got you and we we survived it yeah or oh i put out that you know dark mission or yeah dark missionary right on time and you live by 23 hp that was me um but it was also a slower game right yeah. it was more deliberate yeah you had you it was more of a thinking not reacting type of game but, you know, when you had to react, you had these like, okay, I can do this, then this, then this, and that might happen, and this might happen. And you had this map in your head. Yeah. And that was cool. It's, whereas um, in, in 14, like, if somebody dies, you might be able to get them up. But also while you're doing that, something else might happen, and you had a server tick, and now you were standing in the thing, and now you're dead too. Or if somebody dies and they were supposed to do such and such mechanic, everyone's dead. Yeah. Like it, yeah. it was, it was way more forgiving in a way, be probably because it was slow, like Charles said. Mm -hmm. uh, and I like that you say it's a thinking game because my favorite end game content was salvage. Mm -hmm. And that required a lot of thinking because when you're thrown into this, this salvage instance, it's like a couple different floors, maybe like five or six. I don't remember exactly, but everybody is naked. Nobody has yep. any abilities. Nobody has any ab ability to put your clothes on. Yep. Uh, and as you go through, you encounter monsters you have to kill. So you are firstly, I think you might have started with a couple of things. So yeah. maybe like you take a monk with you and you unlock their ability to punch things. And you're like, monk, go kill that thing. They kill the thing and that thing drops uh, an ability to cast a spell. You give it to your healer. All right, monk, go kill the next thing. Healer, make sure they don't die. And so like you get these little things as you go through this uh, thing and you have to decide whose abilities are, are more important, whose piece of gear. Some There's a lot of gear things in 14 that had 
uh, sorry, 11, that had very specific abilities on them that, that you kind of mm-hmm. needed. So if somebody had a hat that had a really important thing they needed to do during fights, you'd be like, that guy gets the first hat cell. I think they were yeah. actually called cells. And they so. get to use it so they could wear their hats. So you have like eight people running around. One person has a hat. Everyone else is naked. <laughs> <laughs> it was wild. It was, it was honestly pretty hilarious to look at, but you had to think about what you were getting, what things you could possibly get, and who needed what stuff to complete this content. And it was really fun. That's so cool. Yeah. Like, I straight up love that concept. Yeah. I mean, we we even see right now in the game that I think they would have the tools in 14 to realize something like mm-hmm. that. You know, I mean, the fact that we have, like, uh, the logograms and or, yeah. you know, like the, the little lost actions ability, so. lost actions, those sorts of things, right? That, like, even in things like Palace of the Dead, Heaven on High, like, the idea of your gear not being your gear sort of thing, you know, like where there's like a separate sort of leveling acquisition mm-hmm. kind of power up for things like gear and stuff. Something like that would be so fun and like even more ridiculous if, I mean, of course, you, you the threat is always that like a meta can develop, right? Or that there's right. like, you know, you bring exactly this And in it did. Or, <laughs> yeah. But it would be really fun if there were some like really cool rewards or something. But like maybe when you went in, you could... I don't know. So I don't know. It'd be so hard. It'd be so hard. Like if it would randomly assign classes, but then if somebody doesn't know, you know what I mean? It's, but that does sound fun. It was really, really fun. I always, sorry, go ahead. Okay. Uh, I always, I always mention the, like the brain tingle that makes me happy. That content was like, ah, my brain is full of fizz. Yes. It was good. Like I liked it quite a lot. Yeah, I think that we could have something like that. And, you know, they can thinly veil it as the Garleans figured out how to block Aether. And so all of your abilities are, are blocked. And you get them one at a time as you destroy block. Yoshi P, are you listening? Right. You know, like, we could, it's, it's, you could thinly veil it under anything. And, like, the mechanics are just, like, you can't use that ability. That's, that, that's pretty easy to do. So, I don't know. It's something that I would like to see. I didn't get to do a lot of salvage because I had stopped playing right after, I think. I think I got into a couple of them, and then I was like, oh, I'm not going to play anymore because uh, I moved to WoW. But, you know. It's fun. Oh, it's 11. Fun. We'll we'll definitely talk about this more when, when Fusion is on here because I know oh, he yeah. has a lot oh, to yeah, say Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. We might, we might, you know, eventually have a full episode or something about it. I don't know that there hasn't already been. I, I know, I, like, when I was thinking about uh, things that 14 could take from 11, salvage mm-hmm. for me, but I was thinking Fusion's going to say housing. Because he oh, said sorry. it multiple times yeah. already whenever we talk about housing. 11, this old-ass game, has instance housing already. Blah, blah, yeah. blah. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, yes, it does. It's not as good at all, but... It does. the The coding is is there from many many eons ago. <laughs> mm. Yeah, and for it to have come out so, I mean, like that kind of concept of housing and MMO housing to have come out in something that really is, yes, like fairly old at this point. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's that was pretty forward thinking of them, to be completely honest. Um, it would be. I mean, obviously, we have a lot of housing thoughts. You know? Oh yeah. Um, well, yeah. I think the only other thing that I was curious about is the idea of challenge, right? Mm. So, like, even when talking about WoW Classic, like, whether or not it involves something like experience loss as a penalty, right? Um, The idea that, like, well, now all the maps are just pushovers, and anybody is just brain dead, and you can just... 
I'm curious what both, because, okay, for anybody who might not have guessed at this point by what I'm saying, I did not play 11 when right. it was current. So for me, this part has been really fun to listen to because my brain's going like crazy and I only know mm -hmm. what I've heard, you know? Right. Um, but how did you feel about that challenge level? Do you wish that, like, the open world maps were still more challenging? Do we think there's a place for having, you know, stuff like that in 14? I mean, they're they're pretty similar, to be honest, but not to the same scale. Like, uh, the way, when, when you go out to a map in 14 and 11, that's right outside the city, everything's real low, so that it only is only going to murder little people. And then as you branch out into the, the further away maps, things get more difficult. But in terms of scaling, in 11, things got more difficult way faster. <laughs> yeah, way faster. I mean, also, I the, the, the cap in 11 now is 99. Yeah, so. so I remember first starting 11 and, you know, I, I played with Zen, actually. I, we were in the same Link Shell, which is a kind of a guild structure then. I remember trying to get out to the place where I could, I could be near them. The run, the run from from I think I started in uh, the the elf zone I think which is funny. Sandoria, yeah Sandoria, <laughs> trying to run from there to like the main city which was Juno which just not nope I needed help like yeah. things would aggro to low level people uh, like you didn't you had to sneak you know you had to use a spell that would make you not make noise past I don't, certain enemies I don't think there was, was anything crazy. that just didn't aggro either right. There, no, there are so. a lot of mobs in, in 14 that, that are like, I don't care about you, whatever, see you yeah. later. But I think this is this is probably overstepping my memory, but I feel like almost, if not everything, almost everything in 11 was like, you look delicious. Yeah, and it was different ways. You know, some of them were like, if you make a sound, some of them were like, if you're low on health, you know, like, but that run was not fun. Hard. Oh, boy. So difficult. Ooh. Oh, four, or, oh, 11. Just, just thinking about it, I'm just kind of like, huh. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it during the time, but yeah, it is definitely a product of its time. At least it was. Now yeah. I can't speak to it now. Of course, I can't. I haven't played it since. I mean, they've added. They've added a bunch of things, right? I mean, even yeah. like NPCs that adventurers that will go with you and help you, which mm -hmm. I think is kind of cool. Like, especially yeah. in such a dangerous world where there's like <laughs> so not dangerous. nearly as much of a player base anymore. It was much um, more similar to 1.0 in that aspect, actually. Like, yes. you, if, if you walked into the wrong zone, something would see you and be like, pop, pop, and you're dead. And mm -hmm. you lost XP. And you leveled down. And you can't go level with your friends anyway because you just lost your level. <laughs> Quests also didn't have markers. Am I remembering correctly? That it was the sort of thing, where, or maybe some, so. but not all, that there were, like, some quests where you'd pick them up and you would just have to, like, read the stuff and then yeah. go find it and figure it out yourself. And I, if I you think didn't... I remember that. Straight yeah, up, do I not do remember. remember. I think, uh, um, so I didn't play 11, but my partner did. Yeah. And uh, they were starting it again not too long ago, and they were like, oh, I miss the days when I had to pay attention to quests. And then I asked them, and I was like, do you remember what it was like when you first played it? And they were like, yeah, I was like really young, and I had no idea what was happening. I didn't even know like what quest I was supposed to do. I never left the city, because when I did, I died. And I couldn't go join my older cousin because yep. my older cousin was in a place that I wasn't. So like one day I did make it over there, but then I died, and then, and I was like, yeah. so as a new player, would you say that it oh really helped you understand what you needed to do? Oh, and the teleportation, like, like you'd think, oh, then you just teleport to where you need to be. No, there were four initially yeah. teleport spells, maybe three, yeah. uh, teleport Hala, Dem, and something else. 
They Wanna took say you to the main city. No, they didn't. That's right. You're right. They took you to field areas. Yeah, in the random spots that you could then use to get to places. Yeah, I remember that now. Yes. Oh my gosh. They just yep. they put you in like big open field areas. You still had like one or two zones before you got to the mm. city proper. Yep. And people charged you. So much. Only only white mages. Uh, or yep. people subbing white mage could cast yep. the spell. So you had to level white mage. You got them from certain quests and you could sell them. But if you sold them, you then had to buy them later if you ever wanted to use the spell. Yeah, you only get well, one. Yes. I think they should put that back in 14. Yeah? I Yeah, no, I think that would be a really good... I like that, actually, as somebody who's been playing white mage this whole expansion. Yeah. I, <laughs> oh. I think that would yeah. be great. That's... I that it would it would get up to thousands of gil not quite tens of thousands but definitely thousands if i remember correctly oh and my god so so teleportation in 14 is so nice uh, yeah just <laughs> like oh my gosh in, in, in 11 what were they even thinking it was so bad and it took I you mean, forever to get a chocobo <laughs> it's i mean those... that was like in wow too up and i mean i think yeah. even Still, do you still have to do all that stuff to just to get a mount unlocked? No, I, they're they're giving it to you now at like level twenty or something in the new oh. in the newest expansion. It, well, in the pre pre release of the newest expansion because it's not out, they changed leveling and now you can get it early and whatever. There's still uh. like a legacy quest to get the um, the special mounts that like warlocks and paladins would get, but yeah, they 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 learn a little bit there. <laughs> so I think I think ultimately um, the difference is uh, eleven was pain and fourteen is not. <laughs> it was it was a different era. No one yep. knew anything about it. Yep. There wasn't this like insistence on knowing everything either. Like there were very few wikis like this one. <laughs> <laughs> like Gamerscape. Um to use. And so it's like word of mouth and like that's why no one knew how to craft if you could if you face the east, does that make it better? Who knows? It was even before WoW's uh elitist jerks, which is not the first year crafting community because I remember one, uh, a couple from uh, EverQuest, but it was the biggest, um, and so like there wasn't this emphasis on learning as a giant group the most efficient way. It was it was kind of by word of mouth, so that's why things were harder. Just yep. like WoW Classic, when people went back to WoW Classic now, it was a cakewalk really to raid. They just destroyed it because we have more ways to understand the game nowadays. All right. It's funny. Oh, sorry, this is a little footnote. Oh, it is fine. funny because sometimes I find myself wishing that guides didn't exist. Right. And it's, like, there's no way, there's no world mm -hmm. in which they won't at this right. point. You know what I mean? There's just no world. But I, I'm right there with you, Aldino. Like, I remember when, you know, the first, like, paper guides started coming out. And mm -hmm. you could, like, I mean, I'm sure there were other ones before this where people would, you know, pass them around at friends groups and stuff at, or documents. But, like... Mm -hmm first official you know like guidebooks that were released and were so fancy and you know yeah. they were like expensive to buy and then you'd learn what all this that company game. Uh, i know brady games, brady games. Yeah. and it's like it's funny because i almost feel as though there sometimes certain pieces of content do suffer for having guides and mm. like that's why you have raid groups that go in blind they want the fun of discovery but like especially when i'm thinking about like blue mage right yeah for me, what was so fun with Blue Mage originally, and obviously I have many thoughts on Blue Mage, which we voiced here before, yeah. but like what was at least fun for me about that content initially was putting my own memory of monsters, creatures, entities, abilities, like, oh my gosh, 
Wait, wait, wait. So they want me to find something that like does a tongue attack. When I was back in, do I remember any enemies when I was like a little baby that did a mm -hmm. tongue attack on me? And like, that was so fun, but that's not yeah. how anybody played it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like everybody goes straight to the guides. Everybody goes straight to these things. And it's just the world we live in. Like there's no way that we can, mm -hmm. I think, you know, really Put change that. Put that back in the bottle, yeah. Yeah, but it's, it is funny because like games like 11 and stuff, right? I think a lot of those harder processes and the way that communities came together had so much to do with the fact that, like you said, you were together or you died. You shared knowledge or you had no idea what was even there for you to do or how mm -hmm. to do it, you know? like, And that, I think, is something that a lot of companies are still trying to find, how you can replicate that sense of community right. with all of technology, you know, making things, information shared instantaneously or even data mined before releasing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Goodness. Before it even comes out. So... I think there's so much more to to eleven, but I think that we'll that, that basically covers it. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and that I think that except for Ultima Online, that covers all the MMOs that I have experienced with. Do you guys have any other is in particular you'd like to mention that have something that you really think fourteen could learn from? I don't know about learn from, but I definitely was going to talk about Wildstar. Do it up. I don't know. Rick, what were you going to talk about? I was just excited for you to talk about Wildstar. <laughs> I mean, I, I'll do a little note about, like, Switch Horror and stuff, but I oh, want to hear yeah. you talk about Wildstar. <laughs> okay. Well, Wildstar. Oh, poor, sweet Wildstar. Um, you know, I, it, there was so much hype around it, right, when it, when it was coming out, because that was around the time that a bunch of people who played WoW were like, man, I'm kind of done with this game. You know, I don't like these last expansions. And WoW was like, we're going to have 40-man, you know, like 40-man raids. And it's going to be hardcore. And it's going to be great. Um, and then it came out. Um, and it was not fully done. Not not even close. Um, it was a lot of fun. Don't get me wrong. Um, like, leveling was different than most MMOs in that when you started your character, you picked, like, they had this bolt-on system that they called paths, right? So you are a, you know, like, gunslinger, which is your class. You are a, you know, like, Elden. No, you're not an Elden. You are, like, a, um, trying to remember any of them. Man, why can't I remember any of them? Anyway, you, you had your race, you had your class, but then you'd pick a path, like, I want to be an explorer. And as an explorer, you had things in the maps that you could unlock for people to use. Um, so it's like, oh, I explored, there's a shortcut. Now it is phased into the world and people can go through it. Yeah, and like stuff like soldiers who um, they would do like uh, extra things around the map. Like, oh, there's this place where I can do a defense, and now there's a node here for people to get a buff. Or settlers. That's settlers cool. Settlers were so cool, where there were little places in the world where you could build a settlement and put like vendors or something there to help people. Um, and then people would have it. And then if it went down, because it would last for a couple of hours, someone else who was a settler would come and, and build it and earn points to do it. Um, so that was that was really cool. Um, combat was very action combat. That Wildstar is a reason why I have an MMO mouse because you were constantly like you know your your camera is locked to your mouse. You know you're you're moving around. You're also trying to dodge in real time. There's dodge rolls and stuff like that. So leveling was uh, interesting. It was so broken, so incredibly horribly broken. Trying to get to max level. <laughs> In a bad or a good uh, way? Bad, mostly. Oh, uh, no. 
it's just because nobody knew anything and the game was so buggy when it came out you know, like things would infinitely dodge and you'd be like okay i can't kill this thing to finish this quest i'll come back maybe the ones that um you know because people were fighting over it because we're all trying to level to get to the raid so it's like okay maybe i'll come back when no one's going to be here and find the one bee that i can kill to kill three of them so i'll just kill it wait till it respawns kill it again um I said I was going to uh, tell a story. I, I said this to Rook before we started. Oh, so, so you've been waiting for this. Yeah, I was super in the Wild Star. When it came out, uh, a friend, co-worker, and I, we got to max level as soon as we possibly could. We did nothing but that. We took days off of work. We just got there. And that was, um, I think it was May. So E3 was like two weeks after. So I got to go to E3 because I've been in the game industry for a while. Um, and so we are like, okay. Okay, where's the Wildstar booth? We need to go to the Wildstar booth. I want to go because we've been having fun and we want to talk to them. And they had like a small little kiosk in the Curse booth. Like there was just three developers there. That's it. Because everyone else was trying to fix this damn game. Oh. <laughs> and rough. so we went over there. And we're like, oh, we love Wildstar. And they had little keychains or whatever. And they're like, oh, you know, what level are you guys? And we're like, max level. And they look at us like, how? They literally said, how? Are you attuned for the raid? Yeah. Wait, what? How are you attuned for the raid? So this is a age-old idea from... I, not quite WoW started. I think EverQuest started it. So in order to get into the raid, you needed to do these things, right? One of the things in WoWStar was to kill 10 world bosses. But our world bosses didn't work on the faction that we were. So we had to sneak across the No Man's Zone through the area that'll kill you with speed buffs to get to the other side to kill one of their world bosses to then get to 10 and then get into a guild. <laughs> so oh my rate. god. It was so much fun. So it was kind of like a guerrilla MMO. Like Sounds we like, like 11 kind of fun. Yeah, it was. Um, so like it was, it was great. You had like a hoverboard as a mount. Like who doesn't want that? Um, you know, uh, but raiding is the big thing about Wildstar that everyone's like, how is that? Was it any good? Was it as hardcore as they said? Yes, all three of those. Yeah, yeah, it was ridiculous. Um, Wildstar is the game that I do have a world first in because I was insane. And <laughs> I, like, I don't know. Like, I pinched the nerve in my arm that, that year that I, because I played so much. Goodness. I just, I had nothing else to do. My partner, I had moved to L.A., but my partner hadn't. So I'm like, I just work and I play Wildstar. And then I go out from time to time. Uh, so yeah, we got a tune, we got into a guild, and we started the raid. Which, uh, the the difficulty of the raid bosses, super fun, crazy mechanics. Um, you know, like I can't even explain a lot of them. Like, th there's a boss where you need a ranged tank because the boss is like in the middle and is shooting lines and so the range tank could keep moving away as we all rotate and then bombs were dropping from the sky and you had to hit them in order so that they didn't all blow up at once and then like the mid phase was like everybody has to walk over these batteries and throw it into the generator or else this sounds like space down. titan yeah <laughs> it was crazy and fun but also, some of those bosses, I like I said before, 250 wipes on a boss in a night. That's so nuts. And I know I counted it. I mean, you know, there was add-ons so we could see all of them. 
But yeah, some of those bosses, early bosses, were raid destroyers, right? And that's why not a lot of people got in far into the raiding. Um, but the raiding was a lot of fun. But it was an exercise in futility because, like, for some classes, like Gunslinger, they could be healers or damage, right? Well, we beat a boss that took us forever. I think I, I, there's, I, I think I sent you the video, Rook, and and Zen, because we were talking about it. Um, but we killed it finally, and it's like a gun for a gunslinger. You look at it; it has healing stats, but it's a DPS gun. And you know the gunslingers in the group were like, "Wait, what? Can I change that? I can't change that." And it doesn't have the the materia slots. I'm just gonna call a materia slot that I need. Like, just imagine if materia could only take one. Like, you could put crit in here, or you could put direct hit in here. And it was just both healing stats. And they're like, I guess I'll use it. We'll beat it next week, right? Yeah, okay. Um, so it was just ridiculous. Harsh. But, you know, we stuck it out and, and we beat the 20 man. And then we were, I think, the last group in the world to beat the 40 man before it was turned into 20 man. Uh, and Wildstar then died. But there was a lot of good in Wildstar, like the housing, of course. Everyone talks about the housing because it was so amazing. Um, and their system of putting different things into the slots on your plot of land. Um, you know, and they had really fun stuff like the aircraft carrier that we called it. But it was just a big platform that you could do. Uh, you could dodge mechanics. So it would just play this scripted mechanic thing. And so that's how we would try people out, too. We would take them to dungeons and then we would take them to someone's house and be like, get on that thing. Don't get hit. <laughs> all right uh but isn't uh yeah. wildstar the housing where you can scale the items yes you can uh, scale them please um, give me if you haven't seen wildstar housing definitely go uh go to youtube search some wildstar housing because you i guarantee you the first one you see you're gonna be like is this a jungle how did you have a jungle in your house where is your house there is no jungle people were making jumping puzzles for houses you know it was a lot of fun. Or just don't look, because it'll make you sad that it doesn't exist anymore. It's true. I mean, Aww. that was... It, there's a lot of things that killed Wildstar, but one of them was the difficulty of the endgame. Mm -hmm. Even the, the dungeons and adventures, which adventures were like... I don't know. They were still dungeons, but they were more mobile. Like, one of them, mm -hmm. you're, like, escorting a caravan through the world and random things could happen to it. Um, but you're still in an instance, you know? But you had to get a gold on all of them to get a tune for the raid. There were so many steps that I don't remember. There's, I bet I could find the the full list of everything you had to do to a tune for a raid. But it was insanity. It was like, do this one boss, then do all the adventures with at least a silver, then all the dungeons with time mode, and then kill all the world boss. It was oh crazy. So and it's interesting. Mm -hmm. Oh, go ahead, Zen. No, 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 go ahead. I was gonna say it's in like there's so many interesting things in Wildstar, yeah. you know. And we've seen more and more, I think, lately, like, a lot of these communities really start to crystallize in a way, like, mm -hmm. raiders, right? I mean, like, there's always been raiding and the idea of raiding, yeah. but I think there really has been a strong drive from, like, hardcore communities who want that, like, very challenging content and who are now, like, going between any MMO to try and find it. Right. And we've seen responses, like, in 14, I mean, like, the ultimate content, right? Mm -hmm. You know, well, let's put something in that is the ultimate challenge. And it's funny to me that in Wildstar, they were like, well, that's just the raid. That's just the word. <laughs> and I think that it's unfortunate, right? Because on one hand, I think 14 has been very smart about mm -hmm. 
creating different levels of endgame content right. for people to engage with, right? Mm -hmm. um, which I think is smart, everything from like extreme you know, trials to then going into raid, savage raiding, ultimate. Like, there's a nice progression there, so I think that people don't feel like, yeah, you know, they decide to try and engage with the end game, and then they're like, oh, no, 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 never mind, not for me, and then they never touch it again, right? Um, I think that's a good idea, but it is also interesting to to see a game that, I mean, I think tried to maybe, in a, in a sense, give you steps with the, like, well, you need to do all these things and do them well, yeah. and then you can do this ultimate challenge. It just seems like maybe there wasn't quite as much of a gradient there as there could have been to like build that base and then right. get them into the harder stuff. And yet, what I've heard you tell me about the raids, what I've heard uh, some of my moderators who used to play tell me about the raids, like the challenge there sounded so fun and so crazy. And I think there really is a demographic that would love that, you know? Yeah. I mean, and there were wild mechanics, like. Wild star like, mechanics. <laughs> I didn't mean to do it, but I'll lean into it. Um, but yeah, some of the mechanics in the bosses were insane. Like the one that I call the Raid Destroyer, actually the, the guild called it the Raid Destroyer, uh, Kurilak. Uh, I forget what she really was, but she was like a big spidery thing. I mean, she was a normal person, but she had spider-like things. Um, but imagine, if you will, an arena that's very, very, very large. And uh, there's a boss in the very center. And then around you are like four big uh, kind of like, uh, I don't know, giant test tube type things, right? Uh, so that's there. When the, when the fight starts, she's there for like five seconds and then she disappears. And then around these uh, kind of giant vats, these rotating Mario fire-like things. So this big line comes out from four directions of it. And they are constantly rotating in such a way that if you're in the center you have to move around constantly or else you'll get swiped by one. So the center is doing that. Then four people, maybe six people, have to leave and go through the rotating stuff to get close enough to find her to then interrupt her and then she'll spawn in the center and we can start the fight. And like so many times we'd wipe because no one found her or we'd wipe because I found her and I hit the interrupt but I think it missed and I don't see her anymore. Or they'd find her, they'd kill her, but then they couldn't make it back, and so we were down one. That's the first mechanic. Oh, and the man. other mechanics are things like, oh, she'll make, she'll randomly put someone in an egg. First, first, she'll put one person in an egg. One person has to interrupt that. When you do that, they get this debuff that makes them take damage, but do more damage, and you do too. And next phase, both of you will turn into eggs. And then four. And then eight. And then so you're you dead, have to do it before, live. yeah. Exactly. So, like, there's a there's a wow. rage. But everything in Wildstar was telegraphed. So if you meant to interrupt one egg, you might hit two, and you instantly die, and it explodes, and everyone instantly died. Enjoy. So, like, you had to have, like, okay, who got the first one? All right, you get them, and you had a set order, and it was, it was a lot of fun. It was crazy. Um, and, yeah, you know, like, that's one boss. That's one. And all of them were like that. I'd love to see, and it's tough, right? Because on one hand, you want players to like know right. what to expect from certain things and be able to like build their skill and understanding mm -hmm. of content. But we talked about this before, and I, I still stand by this. I would love to see 14 continue to do something that is kind yeah. of wild and creative and pushes the boundaries on what we expect from even just the arrangement of a fight, right? right. Like at this point, you go into just about any 
savage. You know, like you mm. go in and you're like, I will enter arena. There will be boss. Then yeah. hit boss. <laughs> see what happened. What yeah. does past say? Okay. Like, you know, and it's like, of course, every single game is going to have some right. kind of formula that it follows. But I would love it if for once in like the future of some of our end game content, I went into an instance and went, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, like I just sat there and I was like, okay, hold on. I'm going to need a minute to figure out what exactly is happening here. Oh, what do they want goodness. us to do with this? Like, I just, I think. You want a little puzzle to start? Yeah. Like, even if it's just something with the fight, like the arena or the division, or just something that shakes it up to the point where, like, it does become kind of a fun creative endeavor again. And again, it's always that balance, right? We were talking about, like, people will figure things out, people will make guides, people, you know. But I love personally that surprise, like, that going into something and being like, and I mean, Castrum had a few little surprises for me and some of the stuff. I mean, we've seen them do some surprising fun things. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. I was gonna say, I feel like I feel like every now and then we do get a thing. It's like, oh, yeah. like uh, Zervin came to mind. Yeah. You have a birthday cake man, and yeah. then the floor starts falling away, and you're like, oh no, we have to we have to do something before the the last floor piece goes away, and then right. you're like, oh no, we don't, we're falling out. It's just a different thing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Sophia's another one. I actually mm -hmm. I think the Warring Triad had some really cool mechanics. Yeah. Really. Like, yeah. Sophia is still one of my favorite fights because- By like, the way, you're sliding. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, not just that, it's like, like no one wants to do math while you're also fighting, I get, but like, I loved when I first heard the concept of like, yeah. she will put weights in different things. And that immediately sent my imagination fly. You know, I was right. just like, oh, that's cool though, you know? <laughs> like, uh. I love things like that where, um, there is something about like, just the way you engage and the way that you have to try and rationalize. And that's part of why I like, um, like when we talked about Guild Wars 2, right? And Wildstar also has a close relationship to Guild Wars 2 because of NCSoft yes. and all sorts mm -hmm. of stuff, right? But um, that's part of what I love about raiding in Guild Wars 2. There's a lot of different answers to a lot of different questions. Mm -hmm. So like you might go into one boss and you're standing there and like we were saying, you're like, what does this boss do? One of them, literally, you enter the arena and there is just a sloth sleeping in the middle of the arena and you're like someone want to poke it no. <laughs> like, no. and you like poke the sloth and then toxins spread across the entire yeah. floor of the arena and you clearly they know what the sloths thing. are actually about i like, i hate so sloths like, <laughs> it's a toxic flame breathing sloth see that that's, throws that's reality that's yeah. reality so, like the, the fight becomes this debate of um, there's no like tank aggro. So yeah. somebody will randomly get fixated by this creature. And then you have to move them around the arena while having certain people turn into slugs that then eat mushrooms, right. that remove toxic spores. And then you're moving around the arena, trying not to get set on fire. And then you're like, <laughs> and it's, it's so fun because it is, it's, they are not as constrained by a Trinity, mm -hmm. which again, like, it's pros and cons because on one hand, when you nail it in 14, you nail it. Yes. Like you have like the mechanics, the precision, your DPS threshold, like it feels so good. But I'd love to see a bit of playfulness come in mm -hmm. with the idea of like how, again, and I think Alexander did this to some extent. Yeah. yeah. Like this idea of how do we just turn certain things on their head enough 
And even some of the ultimate, like with the fake out. With you want to turn out. into a big monkey? Go stand next to this big needle. Yes, yeah. right. I love challenges like that just as much as I love challenges that are more precision, right? Mm -hmm. I think creativity is really rewarding in and of itself to trying to figure out how to solve a problem, right? right. Yeah, you know, Wildstar, Wildstar's biggest problem was it was it was broken in gearing. One, because if, if gearing was better, raiders would have kept doing it. There would have been more of a raid community because it just... It but when hard. you get a gun for a healer, you're like, goodbye. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, like, sometimes gear from the dungeon is better than the gear from the raid most yeah. of the time, in fact. Like, it was just broken. I mean, there was so much hard about Wildstar. If you're a healer, uh, only one class had a targeted heal that you could click on someone and heal them. Only one. That sounds I, like I, pain. Yes, everything else was telegraphed, so you had to go and do your, your cone-shaped heal. And people be moving. Yeah, while you're circling around the Ugh. boss, you know. Um, Terrible. There was no battle res. There's no raising anyone, period. So another thing that'll kill you in that raid destroyer is too many people dying, because then there's too many eggs to ever interrupt, and you can never win. Hmm. Um, so it, they want it to be hardcore, and they definitely did it, and I definitely enjoyed it, but it was only because I'm stupid and didn't give up. Uh, and, you know, like that coworker of mine, he, he did not make it through that first raid. Not at all. Oh. I mean, he was like, nope, he <laughs> could not. And I don't know why I hung on. You know, it just, I guess because it was so much fun to, like, the class that I played also had to dodge roll to get energy. So it was like trying to figure out when I could use a dodge roll for my rotation versus a dodge roll to not die. Like, there was so many fun brain tickling wow. things about it. You like fizzy um, brain too. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, it, it was one that could have add-ons, but it was very early. So, like, the only add-ons that I remember, at least from the first raid, were, like, things that were, like, oh, I can focus target someone and it'll draw a line to them and things like that. Uh, you know, like, threat and DPS, you know. All right. We've uh, we've yeah, pushed we've, over the three-hour mark. Yeah. Yes. So, I think any one, any one last thing. Yes. Incredibly quickly, Switch yeah. over is another one. The only thing that I really would say that I think... 14 in particular, like, oh, it'd be cool if maybe mm -hmm. some of this, is that the way that they handled RPG dialogue and, like, mm -hmm. sh shared storytelling in the, at least, initial releases of the game yeah. were super cool. I mean, you really did feel like you had character choices for your dialogue that had different personality that could affect conversations in fun ways um, and even sort of some of your personal arcs. And you were able to quest with other people. So, like, you yes. could go through those stories together and they'd be in your cutscenes and they'd be a part of it and, like, that was super cool for me in um, in Star Wars: The Old Republic. Um, Black Desert, the character creator. Yes. Everything else about Black Desert you can go. Is, uh, just a garbage. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, it's not. There's a lot of good things. Wow! 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 I just have so many feelings about Black Desert. Yes. Yeah, um, it, but the character creator for me is one where it's like, if we can do this in a character creator in an MMO, you can give me hair on Vier. <laughs> <laughs> we have the technology. We have the technology. So those were mine. Yeah. Those were mine. Um, I mean, it was basically the rant that I wanted to, to say about Wildstar. I've played I've played most AAA MMOs since WoW because I just I love MMOs. That's that's what I play. Period. Like I always have an MMO to play. So there's there's some stuff from a lot of them. Like PSO was my first MMO, and there's not much to take from that. 
honestly, because it wasn't really an MMO. Um, but it's really the collection of all these MMO. All these MMOs did something well, right? And there's stuff to learn from every single one of them. I don't care if it was Tabula Rasa that lasted for 90 days or whatever, <laughs> or like Warhammer Online, which was sad. And, oh, that know. one! I actually really enjoyed yeah, that one. I did too. Uh, but, you know, there's Fair something to learn from all of these. And mm -hmm. if we are not, you know, I say we, but if MMOs and developers are not learning from them, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Right? Like, that's that's how we got better at video games. And there was a period of time where everyone wanted to do their own thing. And someone got some things right, but then horribly failed on everything else. And it's like, the best dungeon masters steal. Right? It's the same thing for people. <laughs> Nothing is original. Nothing is original. Ugh, I just remember playing Ultima Online, not knowing what mm -hmm. I was doing, getting murdered, and they took all my stuff. Yep. I'm glad we're not in that era of MMOs anymore. I'm I'm so super happy that it's not painful to level, and I'm super happy I get to keep my stuff when I die, and I'm super happy right. I don't lose my experience. I'm super happy I have a house, regardless of how jacked up the system is. Like, right. I'm glad that there's housing at all. Um, there's there's yeah. still space for MMOs that, that focus on that hardcore experience. Yeah. Just, just maybe maybe take as long as you can to make it. Yeah. <laughs> just that's maybe that's something to learn from 14. Wait till you're yes. done. Yes. There's only one Yoshi P. He can't help you. Yeah. <laughs> He's working on 16 now, too. That man does not have yeah. enough hours in the yeah. day. All right. So that's it. Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, if you want, you can email us at aetherightradio at gamerscape.com. Tweet at us at aetherightradio. And find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Discord at uh, discord.gg slash gamerscape. We also have an Aetherite Radio channel on that Discord, which you can uh, chat with at us, and hopefully we'll answer. <laughs> we will! We will answer! Uh, we'd also like to thank those who supported us, uh, whether it's by tuning in, telling your friends about us, or subscribing here on Twitch. We always appreciate that. Usually we have a scroll, but uh, I don't have that, so forgive us. But everybody who did follow, subscribe, etc. today, thank you so much. And uh, remember to be excellent to each other, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye! Bye. Bye.